everyone, and welcome to special episode 93 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. The season ended yesterday on Wednesday, so we are excited to have a special wild card uh, preview episode, and uh, it's going to be a little longer because we've got a lot of wild card series to preview here. So, just to give you a quick rundown of what today's episode is going to look like, I am joined by the wonderful Nime and back from vacation. Shane is here, and we are excited to just go over the quick hits from the last three days to finish off the season wrap it up with a tight little bow and then we are going to have four quick hits hit segments from each al team we have josh Shadowfax talking about the mariners we have twisted logic x talking about the blue jays we have pk back for the rays and deej back for the guardians and then we are going to get to the nl series and nine who do we have for the nl series to finish off today's episode yeah, for the NL series, we've got uh, me, of course, talking about the Cardinals, uh, as well as PJD7510 talking about the Phillies. We're on a segment together with Dylan. Uh, and then, in theory, we have not recorded yet, so unless something crazy happens, uh, we're going to have Icacium talking about the Padres uh, and the Jive Master talking about the Mets. Uh, we really wanted to get Maz back, but unfortunately, she's not feeling well. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so that's going to be the, the two NL segments we we managed to get those uh, scheduled to have uh, both of the teams uh, in the same segment, which is nice. But uh, so the AL is going to be all individual segments and then the NL is going to be two combined segments, which is cool. And before that, Shane, how are you doing? We, we have talked in a while and uh, I feel sad to just kind of shove you into an intro here. That's probably going to be shorter because we've got a lot to cover, but it is wonderful to have you back. And uh, it's the playoffs, so we're going to have you back pretty soon, uh, no matter okay. what. Yeah, no, it's good to be back. I'm, I enjoyed my time off, but, you know, I'm, this, is the, this is the most wonderful time of the year. It really is. Once we really get to sink our teeth into playoff baseball, uh, I'm, just, I'm so ready for it. It's been too long. Uh, so speaking of which, how are you going to sink your teeth into this uh, this first weekend of playoff baseball? Do you have any special plans for the wild card series, Shane? You see, the best part about living on the West Coast is when you get these full sports days. So like mm. on a Sunday, if you have a London NFL game and then you have red zone from 10 like to 4, it's perfect. The whole day is just football. And on Friday, the whole day is just baseball. I have, because there's the noon game, the Rays-Guardians game, I have I have baseball starting at nine in the morning on Friday, and I'm just mm. gonna do nothing but watch baseball, and I'm so excited about it. Chef's kiss, uh, Nime, you've got a little more rooting interest. Uh, do you have any plans? I certainly have a little bit more rooting interest. Uh, I mean, similar plans. Obviously, uh, the you know I'm not gonna catch the beginning of the, uh, the probably not gonna catch the end of the Tampa Bay Cleveland game, and probably not gonna catch the beginning of the Seattle Toronto game. Uh, but certainly gonna watch the the Philly St. Louis game. I uh, I think I'm, I'm I don't remember if I mentioned in the interview, but I, I was almost going to go to St. Louis this weekend. That plan fell through. So I'm oh. not going to get to see a, a live game. So I've got a, I've certainly got an extra route for the Cardinals uh, to potentially give me another chance to, uh, to catch a, a, champ, a, a division series game in St. Louis uh, next week. Oh, I, I wish you could have gone. Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty excited. Um, I am hoping to take a half day on Friday and, uh, my daughter's daycare is actually closed, so my wonderful father is watching my my 
three-year-old in the morning, and then once my wife gets home from work, uh, me and my dad are gonna go to a go to a sports bar. And uh, on the my my company gave me a nice gift card because we've been short-staffed recently, and I've been working a lot of overtime. So um, I'm salaried. So instead of paying me, you know, time and a half, which would be a lot of money, they gave me a hundred-dollar gift card as a thank you, which. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not the same, but it feels nice, right? And we're just gonna blow that uh, at a at a sports bar to watch the watch the games all afternoon. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Um, before we get to all of these playoff previews, though, uh, let's just wrap up this season with a bow. First thing on the agenda here is Mr. Aaron Judge did get to hit number 62 on the second to last day of the season uh what do you guys feel about this historic al record-breaking occasion he just squeaked it in didn't he um <laughs> uh, i mean listen you know we've talked about it quite a bit on the show so i, I don't need to talk a whole bunch about it but right. it is the al record and that's great but i want i do want to hear what shane has to say because i've been on like the last six episodes right so. <laughs> I love it. I loved it. I was so happy. I was happy that I was watching the game when it happened. I was happy that it was caught clean on the fly and it wasn't some horrible hellhole to fight over the ball. Uh, I was happy that some dude jumped over the railing to try to catch it himself. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, I was happy that Michael Kay said it about 67,000 times across the broadcast. Um, I was just, you know... Some people were burnt out by it because we really did have to, you know, watch Roger Maris Jr. walk around for, for far too long. <laughs> right. We had way too many of these moments and it was exhausting. And I get that. And some people already have Yankee fatigue to begin with. I don't feel too much of that. Um, but it was great. And Judge, you know, there's not a lot of guys in baseball who I think would be better for something like this to happen to. He seems like a very good dude. He seems absolutely beloved by all of his teammates. And I'm really excited to see what happens in the offseason. And I hope oh, that, yes. you know, if, if the Yankees can make a real run here, I mean, you can't let him go under any circumstances, but he's going to make an aggressive amount of money for a guy who's already 30. And, you know, good for him. And this was awesome. It was a great season. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in what, uh, what his aging curve looks like. As obviously this is this is one of the best seasons um, since integration, really. And this is um, depending on how you measure it, like 67 Yastrzemski, um, 75 Joe Morgan. Um, I think that Johnny Bench's MVP season is highly underrated just because War doesn't correctly uh just for catchers in that era but i mean this is up there with uh, the non-bonds division um great seasons of the integration era um and so i, I i'm really interested to see what he does the next couple of years um and uh it, it'll be fun to see what the contract looks like and uh it'll be fun to see uh, the Giants apparently might make a run at him and what the Yankees do. <laughs> uh, I I'm just ready to be a neutral observer uh, on this feeding frenzy here. You don't, you don't think the Twins are going to go for Aaron Judge? You don't think that's... Uh... I, I don't see it in the card for a number <laughs> of reasons. One of those reasons is we, we already have an uh, injury-prone outfielder 
who hits lots of bombs and strikes out a lot now. Well, it's not to, quite at Judge's level. To be uh, to be fair to Judge, he played the f- last he, two full he seasons. He got the full season in. Yeah, he he's got him in. That last season was a full season too. Aaron Judge has played, uh, I think, four times as much baseball in the last two seasons combined as uh, as Byron Buxton has. True, true, <laughs> but he doesn't hit home runs at a as high of a rate. Believe it or not, mm, I yeah, I don't yeah, I that's... don't don't quote me on that. I, I think he I think it's slipped down after uh, this last couple of weeks. Uh, I'd have I'll to say what the Aaron Judge he led <laughs> he led both leagues in RBI and both leagues in home runs, but he's not going to get the triple crown because because <laughs> Mr. Luis Arise won the batting title with a beautiful double today. Um, I don't know. I don't watch. Yes, network by any means. Uh, I haven't watched MLB network for a while. There were some people that were saying that uh, there were certain pundits that thought Arise was sitting this past week because he was sitting for the batting title. Um, today, you could see he walked twice and then he hit a double and hobbled to second base before being, being pinch ran for. Dude was playing through a hamstring injury all week. Um, and he he still went out there to to try to do it. And I'm I'm 90% sure if there was no batting title on the line, he would be sitting and he he wouldn't even be playing. But because there was that there, um, he went out there to make a make a fair showing of it. So um, that's that's four points ahead of Judge. Very very tight at the end there. Very tight. It was and he uh, Judge passed him for a while. Uh, it, it was yeah. it was a true race at at the finish line here. Um, and it was just fun to watch. It was one nice thing about this twin season, because as you said, Buxton played a quarter of the season. Uh, we, our season was over at the beginning of September when the Guardians just kind of trashed us. Um, but we have this, this one batting title. Um, that's our consolation prize. Like in 2019, <laughs> when we won the home run title by one home run over the Yankees for the, the, uh, season, season record by a team. Uh, there's these tiny little consolation prizes we get in between being thrashed by the Yankees and having our dreams dashed. So there's that. Yeah, we've got we've got such a packed episode, so I don't want to I don't want to like I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this seed right now. But uh, what is gonna happen with Carlos Correa? We were I'm sure we're gonna find a reason to talk about it later. Oh, but yeah. I don't want I don't want to have a 20 minutes on it right Why now. Why are you being so mean to him? I he's I'm, just, I'm just wondering like like it's, it's this is just a huge you see this huge oh my question. god you see how he does this if he wasn't editing he's going through right since now. I've been gone <laughs> yeah oh, okay. I haven't been on with Lewis in a while we haven't uh, true. we haven't uh, done this I mean we we want to I I another 20 minute segment is how the NL Central and its multiple hundred lost teams is in fact inferior to the AL Central despite having yeah, yeah, the AL Central and it's, and, and it's so, uh, only one team yeah. with, with right, over 500 Shane, what are we going on next uh, speaking <laughs> of sitting and winning batting titles Jeff McNeil also wins the batting <laughs> title in the National League he wins by a single point over Freddie Freeman. And I do want to say, while for every single reason uh, that Jeff McNeil should have sat today is valid and totally makes sense, they did have the double hitter yet, the doubleheader yesterday where he went three for eight. Um, and then the game today ended up getting delayed. And the Mets, of course, are playing in the wild card series and the rest makes more sense for him and all of that. I always think it's a little lame when you sit to win the batting title or anything like that. I always think it's something that you should want to play all the way through for. And I think it's really cool to see someone like Arias kind of, you know, hobble all the way through it, but he's still going to play through the end and kind of get all the way. As for, you know, the storyline 
Freddie Freeman came so close. He had to go four for four in game 162 to catch McNeil. He ends up going three for four. Um, but this was a really fun race. Um, Jeff McNeil's we were, great. We were talking he, a little bit. Yeah, we were, we were talking a little bit before recording about how, like, you know, I, I get the sitting thing, but obviously, uh, Luis Arias had nothing to play for, and uh, and the Mets uh, and the Dodgers as well. Obviously, both uh, both have something to play for soon. The Mets sooner than the Dodgers, so I, I can't really begrudge them for saying, okay, we're going to sit this guy when we know we this game does not matter to us, um, and we want to make sure one of our best players is, is as well rested as possible to to face the Padres in two days. It's a it's yep. a be it's a begrudging like uh, you exactly. don't you don't actually begrudge a manager for pulling someone who's thrown 115 pitches when they've never thrown more than 90 uh, through the seventh, but they have a no no going because that can be an injury risk. Um, but also you hate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Jeff McNeil, by the way, also only had 61 strikeouts this year. Like that's, that's like, that's a pretty, in this era, a pretty eye popping number, only 40 walks, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, old time counting stats here, Nime, uh, well, why don't, why don't we move forward and I'll let you take this next one to wrap up our retirement tour season. That you yeah, well, the old timer with the old timiest counting stats. Uh, um, uh, Albert Pujols. We've talked about him in many episodes. Uh, obviously, we know he crossed that 700 a few weeks ago. He finishes uh, his career, uh, or at least his uh, his regular season career, with 703 home runs, 2,218 RBI, which means he is now. Um, stands alone in second place uh, with uh, uh, for RBIs uh, uh, four ahead of Babe Ruth and only 80 behind Hank Aaron. So, or sorry, 79 behind H- Hank Aaron. So if oh. he wants to come back for another season and try to hit 80 RBIs, that's uh, that's certainly a possibility, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great career for Pujols. Again, I, I've talked about it many, many times, but I, again, uh, Shane, you haven't been on in a while and, and obviously you got to watch Pujols quite a bit in LA. Um, so I want to, I again, want to hear your take on that one too. And you got to watch him hit 700 in L.A. too. So, How can you not love Albert, man? How can anyone in baseball not love Albert? And I worry about some well, of these younger fans who maybe not. They only know Anaheim, Albert, yeah. and they never really got to appreciate the machine or have never really gone back and made the effort of appreciating the machine. But he's just an absolute gamer, man. He loves baseball. He lives baseball. He goes in there and he just gives it everything. I was just listening to Justin Turner um, talk about in an interview just the effort that he would go in. You know, this guy, he's a Hall of Famer. He's proven he doesn't need to do anything for anyone. And he would go into the cages when he was with the Dodgers and he would do all sorts of new like band exercises, things he had never done before because he was always still looking to become a better hitter and understand the art of hitting more. And it's hard to say if there are many people on this planet who understand the art of hitting better than Albert Pujols. I'm so happy for him. He deserves all of this. It means so much to uh, the Latin Amer- the Latin American community too. And there are so many players who look up to him. Uh, There's a beautiful story of Miguel Vargas uh, recently. Albert Pujols was next to him on bases and he congratulated him on his first home run. And Miguel said, I don't even like, I couldn't even muster saying anything to him. I was just so in awe that I was standing next to Albert Pujols. So, one really cool thing too is when uh, when Pujols got released by the Angels last year, Arenado like kind of made a bit of a plea, like, "Hey, come back to St. Louis. Obviously, you know, you started your career here. Like, 
uh, Pujols was Nolan Arenado's favorite player. So Nolan Arenado got to like play with his favorite player. And uh, fun fact, uh, you know, if you, uh, with a minimum 250 plate appearances, obviously Albert Pujols did not qualify uh, for any rate stats uh, this year, but uh, he had 350 plate appearances. So with a minimum of 250 or 300, uh, he is ninth in WRC plus, which is insane, tied with Machado and Arenado, um, both of whom are uh, in the MVP conversation this year. Uh, so like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of astounding that he got to have this season in, you know, at playing games at Bush in front of sold out crowds in a Cardinals uniform. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of a perfect retirement tour, right? Like it really he, he got to like come back to the place where like, you know, for a while Cardinals fans begrudged him for leaving. And, and like, and I was one of them a little bit, right? Like I did because him a little bit, didn't begrudge him completely, but like, I know a lot of people who begrudged him more than, more than I did. And, and he got to come back and break this milestone uh, of 700 in St. Louis, have an insanely good year. Um, and, and like, and do it all like, you know, uh, you know, with Yachty, with Wayno, who again, I'm not sure is retiring. <laughs> Wayno still might be coming back next year. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's so cool, and uh, and I love Albert Pools. I I think this season gave those young fans a glimpse. Uh, Shane, to yeah. your point, a glimpse of what it was like. Um, and in case you had any question about it, um, he did get back over a hundred. Baseball reference wins a punt with replacement. He sure did. He's like 101 now, right? Or 102. Yeah, he he blew by it. Uh earlier right. in the yeah, season, yeah. we were we were worried he had played himself out of it. And uh then yep. he, he bumped up and he went down again. It was like, oh man, what's gonna happen? And then he just went on this surge and uh he was above replacement this year by he was a, he was a two win player. Right. That's average. <laughs> he was an average player. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was he was he was a starter's worth of a player right. like and and even like yeah it's 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 astounding that he that he managed to do it after, you know, this is the best WRC plus obviously that he's had since leaving St. Louis. Right. Like and it's better than his last season in St. Louis too. Like he is not um it's uh it's so it's so cool. And like and yeah, so in the beginning of the season and I've talked about this a thousand times on the podcast. <laughs> at the beginning of the season like it didn't it didn't look like it was going to happen at all. And then the second half was just truly astounding stuff. It's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Look, from, look uh, out, man. One... Still murders lefties. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And on right, the off yeah. chance that they make the run all the way to the LCS and the Dodgers are there too. The Dodgers playoff rotation is pretty much all lefties. So... And he's a little sneak peek to uh, to the interview later. Uh, the the first two pitchers for the Phillies are a little tough, but then Ranger Suarez uh, comes in next, and uh, and the Cardinals have a, a lot of good right-handed hitters. So well, they better they better. Okay, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into that. Let's just transition to if if Pujols does going from one, uh, not quite greatest of all time, but an inner circle. Uh, sort of player to an inner circle sort of season. Shane, your Dodgers, uh, they've been someone, uh, user, what, Specs, uh, Brewers fan, uh, has been trying to make Winagami a thing here. Um, and uh, the wonderful Dodgers managed to finish the season for the first time in MLB history. A team finished 111 and 51. And uh, that's a very high win total. What else total. is there to say? I mean, yeah. What what else is it's there an to say? Shane? Number. It's it's a <laughs> wild number, and um, you know, uh, two thousand one is obviously there. You have the Mariners and one hundred and sixteen. But if you just look at this, everything about this Dodgers team from top to bottom, if you look at their run differential, if you look at just 
leading in in runs allowed, runs allowed and runs scored. If you look at the offensive production by WRC plus, it's you know they're right next to the big red machine. And then offensive, uh, def- defensively, pitching wise, by ERA minus, it's the greatest run prevention team of all time. Like this is truly incredible all time stuff. We might be watching the best team of our lifetime. I don't know, but it very well could be the case. And that's something that I hope people appreciate. And I know that we have Dodger fatigue and I know that they're always there. And this is the third time they've won 106 games in the last four years. And that's crazy. Um, but this is wild. Uh, it truly is. And, you know, regardless of the playoffs, I do think we've kind of been enveloped in this NBA rings culture. If you don't win this, the whole thing, it doesn't matter. And I think that's very kind of detrimental to what baseball is all about and misses a lot of what makes the game and the spirit of the game so amazing. Um, but regardless, this team is in greatest of all seasons territory and if they win the world series i think even more so just it's unbelievable very happy I, it's all downhill from here but i'll take it while i'm here a <laughs> couple of quick hit stats they are the fifth team in major league history with 111 wins um they are the first team to do it in the national league since the 1906 cubs 116 wins uh they are obviously the first team to do it since the 2001 mariners uh yeah, I mean, just all all astounding, astounding numbers. Like 1906, that's a long, long time. That's two over three World Se- Cubs World Series ago, I think, or two at least two. Hopefully, we don't go 108 years. That would right. not that would not be pleasant. I mean, you know, hope uh, I'd be fine with that. Um, but uh, but also, like, yeah, it's, it's you know, the Dodgers, like you said, you, there is a bit of the Dodger fatigue, but they're all. I mean, they're that team that's just like. Yeah, man, they are consistently so, 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 so good. Not just year after year, but like month after month, you're like, yep, the Dodgers are the Dodgers were the first National League team to 30 wins. The Dodgers were the first team to 50 wins, first to 70 wins. Like, yeah, like, you know, it's just kind of expected and expected. Like, every time we bring it up on the podcast, like, yep, they're the Dodgers. That's kind of what you think is going to happen. So, uh, but it's still, you know, that's not to take away from anything, right? They're consistently so excellent um and and yeah like it's 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 kind of it's kind of truly insane and like and you have even like that 2020 season where they had like the best win record that you know obviously it's 60 game season or whatever but uh but they still like you know that's the one year they didn't have 106 wins because there weren't 106 games to be played right mm-hmm. and it was a it was a 116 pace over the 60 over the 60 games which is which is fine yeah. too all right. Well, guys, thanks so much for sitting down and kind of putting a bow on the season here today. Um, for those of you listening, I am hoping you are ready to fill your uh, full morning or afternoon or whenever you are listening with some playoff previews. Thanks for listening through this whole intro when we said we were going to try to keep it short. Um, we will be right back in just a little bit. I am going to sit down with the newly drought ridden uh mariners with josh Shadowfax to go over their playoff preview then we're going to transition to twisted logic x and the blue jays pk with the rays deej with the guardians and then i'm going to turn things over to nine to preview those cardinals phillies and padres mets matchups uh nine you're going to have the direct links to those in the show notes right for everyone absolutely yeah. yes so if yeah yeah if you, if, want if, if you are on your podcast app you just click on the name of the episode and you can scroll down and you should be able to uh, if it's a good enough podcast app you should be able to click just the time or you can scrabble through all right well hey thanks so much for listening everyone we will be back in just a little bit mm-hmm.
Well, welcome back, everyone. Lewis here, and I am excited to kick off this playoff preview uh, selection of segments by talking to Josh Shadowfax, who we talked with earlier in the season about the power rankings and about the Mariners. And we're kicking off with them because we want to give them a little extra time to bask in the glory that is breaking a playoff drought. Josh, how are you doing on this fine evening? Doing pretty great. It's uh, been 21 years in the making, but I'm really looking forward to finally getting to watch a, a game that beyond 162. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I guess I should ask for for uh mariners fans right now I, I, are you in seattle are you in the the pacific yeah. northwest the area, area there what what is the vibe like there right now as far as um the mariners go i mean it's it's pretty hyped it's not you know you're not seeing jerseys out on the street everywhere just yet but okay. i mean they're definitely more and more talk every day you know it's been a seahawks town for years right, right? but Sports radio shifting over, so okay. it's been nice there. And I mean, within the stadium, obviously, it's been electric. The the last couple series, um, been almost all sellouts. Um, I was at the game on Friday when they clinched, and it was oh, nice. the way loudest I've ever heard at that place. <laughs> what what was that like to be there for the clinch? I mean, it was it was unreal. I <laughs> I watched the home run, and I still was just like, did that did it really just happen? And you know, almost nobody left for like an hour. Players celebrated on the field, went into the into the clubhouse to celebrate, came back on the field. <laughs> wow, I that's that is that that's a top experience. I don't think you can tell and to have a, a walk off like that too, like <laughs> just just a perfect way to clinch. Um, not that the last few times the twins have clinched, it's because someone else loses, and it's like after the twins have finished playing, and everyone's kind of just like okay but we can still clinch if that they lose so i guess we'll just hang out here but uh i'll walk off to just clinch it for good oh that is amazing all right well you clinched it you're here now you got to perform in the postseason and you guys have some fun matchups in a similarly loud environment in toronto uh against the blue jays what does the pitching rotation look like going into this three-game wildcard series? So I don't know if we've had an official announcement yet, other than the first game. But Luis Castillo is definitely going to start the first game. Um, I suspect Robbie Ray will probably start the second game, but again, I don't know if there's been an official announcement there. And then either George Kirby or Logan Gilbert, probably Kirby would be my guess for game three, if it's there. Okay. Uh, and what... Uh, what sort of uh, performance do you kind of expect out of these three as you three or, or four, if they end up doing a piggyback or some other thing, um, what's kind of your expectations going in to, to facing against the blue Jays of all teams? Yeah, but we'll see that stadium can be, can be tough, right? As long as I think, as long as they don't get lit up early, I think it'd be fine, but it's, you know, that stadium balls fly. So, right. Right. I mean, it, it's a, it's, it's a dome, just like uh, you know, a lot of domes, really, in the playoffs. But only, but but the one that doesn't have a dome is hosting. The Guardians are hosting uh, without a dome. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be loud. It's going to be 
balls flying. What do you think will be the biggest challenge for, for the team in this three-game set? Uh, so the Mariners struggle. One of the struggles this year has been, has just been kind of the offense in terms of small ball run generation, okay. right? They're, you know, they've been had their fair share of, um, of long balls this year, but you know, they're bases loaded now. It's just right where our opponents want us is, is right. the joke that we have. <laughs> I know every team says that, but we're at it. The, uh, mass. the Crit- average with runners on bases is pretty low. Um, so I think if they can, generate some runs uh i think it'll help um i think that the pitching matchups i think will actually work well i will see how how having rabbi rego against uh basically entire regular lineup lineup goes but you know right right yeah and that's that's the hard part um that the jays have quite a formidable uh lineup you know top to bottom they might not have the highest peaks but uh there's not much of a valley there um pretty pretty consistent throughout um for the mariners what are the batters that we want to stop everything and pay attention when they come to the plate during this series who's been hot down the stretch uh well obviously julio you don't have to wait very long he'll be up at the top (laughs) uh so hopefully he'll lead things off great um ty france has had some struggles since coming back from injury but you know overall in the season he's been another top contributor um and uh eugenio suarez has been really surprising in the season you know that the trade everyone was was all jesse winker jesse winker and and suarez has been pretty clutch both in the field and and at bat so he might surprise people Uh, good cool that those are good players to know and to be looking for especially uh julio at the top um what i mean uh, how often do you get a rookie that you, that comes up like that? Now, um, speaking of, you know, younger players, I know there's been a lot of speculation and ups and downs with Kellenic. What, what is his status going into the postseason for people who haven't been paying attention directly to the Mariners? Yeah. So he went down, uh, in the middle of summer. Um, and then the, the, the variety of injuries over the last month or so he came up probably two or three weeks ago um and he's actually been doing pretty well i mean he's his strikeout rates most of the same is a little bit down um and he's had a lot of unfortunate babbit babbit luck but his contact is there um he's had you know a couple days where he has really hammered the ball and and i think he had a two homer day a couple days ago okay last week um, he'll, he'll be in the lineup. Uh, he will probably be starting in, in left field for some amount of the games. Um, like I said, Jesse Winker is, is on the IL now. Um, and I don't know if they're going to, I don't know how many outfielders they're going to carry for the roster. They may mm-hmm. carry four, they may carry five. They may yeah, also just and- do their multiple and, utility guy thing that they love to do. Yeah. So and we'll I mean, this is something that will be interesting to see, you know, the last couple of years with the one game wild card, we saw some um, interesting roster moves <laughs> mostly because, well, it was one game. What do you, what yeah. are you, what are you going to do with the 26 man roster when it's <laughs> one game? Um, but for a three game series, you know, uh, do you, do you carry just your three starters and pump up the bullpen with some extra arms? Do you get some extra, you know, bench bats for situations? 
Um, or do you, you know, you keep all five starters as a backup in case. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what teams decide to do with that flexibility of we still have a full roster. We can switch it before the division series, but we know we've only got a maximum of three games to play here. Um, do, do you see the Mariners surprising anyone with who they might stick on that roster because they have the flexibility or are they going to probably just play it straight? I don't think there'll be too many surprises. Um, especially the last, especially the last home last, uh, series, there have been a couple of injuries to players that were definitely going to be on the roster. So I think they'll probably just play it pretty straight. The only thing you might see is, is who they slot into the bullpen. Kind of, there's maybe one slot up the air and, um, it's a question of, do you, um, do you try to bring up like a, a guy who can mop up if something bad happens in the first game maybe, or do you just stick with your seven best guys and go with it? Right. Right. Okay. And ooh, sorry. You mentioned the injuries there. Uh, you mentioned winkers out. Are, who are the other bats that names we might recognize that people who haven't been tuning into the Mariners for the past month uh, might be surprised to not see in the lineup every day. Yeah, so I don't know how many people you won't see, but a lot of the starting lineup has been Julio Rodriguez was on the 10-day IL until Monday. Um, I said Ty France was was out for a while with a hand injury. Um, he came back a, a couple weeks ago. I don't still don't know if he's 100%. Um, and then, um, actually, uh, a couple days ago, we also had um, Sam Haggerty, who's a, kind of one of our Mariners utility guys. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the, the fastest guys, and you know he's the guy who comes in, coming in a playoff game. You know, comes in and runner on pinch second, runs, right? Yeah, exactly. He's that yeah. ideal guy, right? Um, yeah, he he got a pretty severe injury on a, mm. on a steal, and well, unfortunately turned out to be a kind of meaningless game. But oh. so he probably won't be on the roster. And then um, we had a couple a couple folks got um, some uh, some fortunate um, hit by pitches last couple mm. days as well so i think they'll mostly be fine um but it may it may be there may be not there may be some surprises in game two game one depending on how people are feeling okay um, all right before we let you go here and we turn things over to your opponents twisted logic x talking about the blue jays and how they plan to attack uh at uh not the Rogers center, but really the Rogers center there. Um, what is the, uh, what are a couple, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to edit this one. I just lost my, my train of thought completely. All right. I'm going to reset here. No yeah. <laughs> Before we turn things over to the blue Jays and twisted logic X talking about their plan of attack against you guys. Uh, what is one other storyline that casual viewers who haven't been following the AL that closely might be looking for going into this series? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm excited to see, assuming Robbie Ray does pitch in game two, kind of how he, you know, pitching in the postseason against his former team. Mm -hmm. That could be really interesting. Um, those are kind of the, the minor cool story of the, the Mariners and the Blue Jays are expansion cousins from 1977. So that's kind of cool. See them get to play each other for the first time. And uh, we'll get to see who gets to go uh, have fun and, and play Houston, which yeah. I'm sure both teams are uh, 
looking forward to. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, I, I told, uh, I told Twisted this. Uh, I'm really sad that this is a first round matchup because um, whoever wins this series mm-hmm. is who I'm cheering for the rest of the way. Uh, and to uh, run into that buzzsaw in Houston, we'll see. There's been some speculation that the five days off between the season and the division series might hurt teams, uh, might be a little rusty. They point to certain records after one team sweeps the AL or NLCS and then plays a team in the World Series that went the distance. We'll have to see. That's some small sample size. It's going to take a few years to decide if that's the case, but I am very excited for this series and pumped to watch you guys play. Josh, thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking about uh, this beautiful moment of the Mariners finally breaking the playoff drought. For you listening, we'll be back in just a little bit with that wildcard opponent Blue Jays and Twisted Logic, so stick around. Welcome back, everyone. Lewis here, and I am pleased to be sitting down with Twisted Logic X, or TL, our wonderful Blue Jays rep who always has super fast hat highlights and the best hot stove news. Twisted TL, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm, I'm great. It's a, it's a good time to be a Blue Jays fan. It's a good time to be a baseball fan in general. Um, I mean, even today in a meaningless game, their top prospect, Gabriel Moreno, just hit his first career home run. So, yeah, it's a good time to be a baseball fan, and it's just it's exciting. We're getting right up there now, uh, a couple of days away from the playoffs. Yeah, we're we're excited. We are breaking with tradition to release this Thursday episode, as everyone listening already knows, because my guess is it's Thursday and you're listening or Friday morning, because you're probably not listening after the, the, the game started. I, I know some people went back and listened to like last year's playoff preview episode. I see the stats and I'm like, who's doing that? Okay. (laughs) Thanks. I guess. Thanks for the extra views. But like, that's a year old, man. What are you doing? Um, (laughs) All right. Well, this, we've got a lot of segments here today, so let's get down to it. TL, who are the blue Jays throwing in these three games? They have lined up against the Mariners at the wonderful start times of uh, four, Four Eastern <laughs> on Friday, four Eastern on Saturday, and two Eastern on Sunday, which means there is going to be playoff baseball at 10 a.m. in Seattle. So yeah, that's prime time, right? Right. There we go. <laughs> the, uh, I, I had actually um I had actually heard from a few people like because I'm also active in Discord. Uh I had heard from a few people thinking that, oh, because it's the Mariners and it's that they have that great story of reaching the playoffs for the first time in forever that um, they're going to get some nice primetime slots. And I was like, you no. don't know how these networks treat um, these, like the the smaller markets or the, uh, the less favorable markets, I guess, for the right. rating and, when and it comes to, to the playoffs. Not to get too off, used to off it, but track I guess here. Fans are getting, getting exposed to that for the first time in a long time. Right. And not to get too off track, but I mean, what, what sucks for the Blue Jays is that your games are carried on Sportsnet. Playoff games are carried on Sportsnet. ESPN, for those of you in America who don't know this, ESPN is the part owner of TSN, which is Sportsnet's big rival. 
Right, yeah, and they oh. have like they have no broadcast rights for baseball in Toronto because, I mean, Rogers basically owns a monopoly on baseball in Toronto. Right. They own the stadium, the channel, and the team. So uh, ESPN is not going to do any favors to Sportsnet. They don't right. get any ratings from, you know, the Blue Jays. So expect the Blue Jays, when ESPN is controlling things, to always get the short, short end of the stick. Um, not right. that Fox or TBS has any other, you know, that much more love. But with ESPN, it's particularly like, yeah, we don't care because you're you're going to be crushing our rivals' ratings. Uh, you're you're going to be crushing our uh, friends' ratings all all baseball playoff right. season. Well, hey, so if the, if the Jays make the World Series, then they have no choice, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So <laughs> they had to deal right. with that with the Raptors a couple of years ago. All right, so so uh, annoying scheduling aside, what pitchers do you have lined up to go against this Mariners offense, which has been staggering a little bit to, to finish the season? Yeah, so I mean, I. I haven't looked uh, uh, deeply into it because I know it just dropped a couple of hours ago, but I know they have Manoa lined up for the first game. Uh, I'm guessing they're going to go to Gosman for game two. And I don't know, have they set a third game starter yet? Or are we speculating here? I'm pretty sure we're speculating. Um, They um, they don't usually release those, uh, especially because, you know, game three is in question. uh, And what you do might depend on what happens the first two games. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's it's definitely going to be Manoa for game one. I'm, I'm, I'm very, like, confident they're going to go to Gossman in game two. And then uh, game three is actually kind of a toss-up because, I mean, going into the year, they had Barrios as the opening day starter. He was the guy who had just – they had traded a couple of really cool prospects for. Uh, they had just given him a big extension. He was the guy for the Toronto Blue Jays going into the season. And um, he's kind of been usurped, I guess, uh, definitely by Manoa and Gossman. But uh, – if you look at the numbers, and I know people who haven't been following the Jays or the AL East that much this year will might be surprised, but but Ross Stripling has had a great great season. Um, oh. If you're, uh, I guess I don't know like how closely even Jays fans noticed this last year, but um, even early uh, early last year, like Stripling started the season, he was terrible, and the Red Sox. There was this one game where the Red Sox really got to him, and the Jays coaching staff kind of figured that he might be tipping his pitches. And then, so they sorted that out. And, like, if you look at his numbers after the first several really bad starts, even last year, he was a really solid pitcher. So this is kind of, like, it's not really as out of the blue as people think. So he's been kind of having, like, one and a half now, 1.6, 1.7 seasons of really solid production. But, of course, this year he's really stepped it up. So um, I think Toronto's, uh, like, the media and uh, the fans are kind of torn on what they're going to do. I do think they're going to go with Stripling and with uh, Kikuchi and White both pitching bulk innings today, game 162, I'm guessing they're not going to be very available for the wildcard series. So maybe Barrios is that long guy if they if things get out of hand early in one of the games. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be Manoa Gossman and then probably Stripling. So, I mean, I think a lot of us know Manoa has been been very consistently good for, for right. the Jays this season. Now, um, there is a specific storyline that I've been following that we're, we're going to get a little off topic from playoffs here, but cause it didn't happen, but I want to know what your opinion was as a fan. Um, it was reported that if game 162 mattered for getting home field advantage, that Manoa would have been pitching today, which right. means he would be completely unavailable for the wildcard series. Exactly. How would have you felt about that decision? So obviously, I mean, 
at the end of the day, when you come to, when it comes to the playoffs, you want your best guys playing. And I know that a lot of people feel very strongly about that, that it didn't matter where they were playing. Um, they wanted Manoa to appear in the playoffs, but the Jays, it, it, they were surprisingly candid this week. Uh, or I guess the, the, the past couple of weeks when they were asked about the Rogers Center and the home field advantage and all that stuff. And usually teams will give you like kind of canned generic answers. Like, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, be, we'll play in front of everybody. We'll take it a day at a time, whatever. But the, the Jays organization as a whole was surprisingly candid about how much they appreciate the, the fans in Toronto and how much they think that that as a home field advantage, uh, the manager, John Schneider, spoke about it. Um, the media has all been talking about it. And even the players. I mean, today, if you were watching the Jays game, uh, Buck and Pat, the commentators, were going on and on about um, Bo Bichette and how he used to be a Blue Jays fan because he was a big fan of Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson growing up. And uh, when the Jays had those crazy, exciting years in 2015 and 2016, with the Batista home run and then the Encarnacion walk off in the wild card the next year, Bichette was watching those games and he's spoken about it that he's like, I don't consider 2020 as a real season for us in terms of making it to the playoffs. I feel like I'm making it to the playoffs for the first time this year. And I've never gotten to experience that electric, electric atmosphere that the Rogers Center was providing those insane moments in 2015 and 2016. So, I mean, these guys are people that have watched these, these games and they've heard that noise. And they've been deprived specifically in Toronto, I mean, more than any other team for the past couple of years, mm-hmm. whether it was the 2020 season or the bulk of the 2021 season where they they didn't have a home crowd. So I guess I kind of understand the organization's perspective, which is they really, really wanted to secure home field advantage. Um, to be honest, when it came down to the Jays and Mariners, I don't know if they actually would have gone through with playing Manoa in game 162. This originally came up when it was the Jays and the Rays fighting for home field. And I think it was a much, much bigger story at that point because, I mean, Yankees fans know this. So many other teams' fans know this, but the Trop is a house of horrors for so many fan bases, right? Um, Uh, I think Miguel Sano lost... awful record there. I think Miguel Sano uh, lost multiple homers to Tropicana Field, and we only play there three times a year. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, the Jays specifically very much wanted to avoid the trap because I think, like, throughout the organization, it's it's a very analytical organization, but, I mean, baseball is superstitious, and at some point, there's so many years of data that you also have to think that there is some sort of psychological trend here or something that um, the, the Jays are just awful. Like, I think they have, like, a... I could be way off base here, but I think I saw that they have, like, a 300-some winning percentage at the trap or something like that. It, like it, like lifetime it's just crazy how bad they are there so um if it did if it, if it was the jays and the rays fighting for the second the first and second wild cards and the difference was i mean that massive boon of the rogers center home crowd versus the 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 terrible experience of the trop i mean i think they would have gone definitely with manoa and they would have treated that as like this is a big x factor in our playoff series i don't know if it was the same with the mariners and if they would have still stuck to that I do feel like I would feel worse about Manoa being burned trying to fight for home field over the Mariners, especially because, and I know Mariners fans are are not going to be super happy about me mentioning this, but I mean, Seattle is almost like a second home park for the Blue Jays, right? Like so many of those, uh, those uh, like Vancouver and Alberta Canadian fans come down to Seattle and watch them there. So 
I don't think home field was as big of an issue there. And I wouldn't have been super upset about them playing in Seattle anyways, because it's a beautiful ballpark. And it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a baseball fan, these guys have been waiting two decades for a, for a series, getting some home games for them would have been cool. So I guess, yeah, that's my thought is that if Manoa was playing for preventing the drop being the venue, I would have been okay with it. If it was, if they were fighting with the Mariners for that, I would have been like, I think it's better to just save him for the playoffs. All right. All right. So you mentioned Bo Bichette, and I know yeah. that he has kind of gotten hot here as of late. Right. Who are the Blue Jays hitters going into this series that we need to be watching for to make a big impact here, um, especially considering their September performance? Okay. So, I mean, obviously you mentioned it's Bo Bichette. It's, it's, he's number one right now. Uh, if you look at the team's war leaderboards on fan graphs, Nobody saw this coming six weeks ago, but Bobichet leads the team. 4.4 Fangraphs war. His defense, everybody knows, it's not that great. So, I mean, he's a shortstop, but he's not really getting a ton of defensive value. Most of his war is coming from his 129 WRC+, plus, which is amazing. And that's especially impressive considering how bad he was for most of the season. Right. Um, He struggled. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah it was it was bad and uh and he mentioned it again super candid about he was pressing and he wasn't staying true to himself and i mean bo's always gone on and on about his approach which is he has a big leg kick early in the count and then soon as he gets to two strikes he shortens up his stride it's just like a little toe tap and he and he just plays to make contact with the ball and he plays to protect the strike zone and he said he wasn't staying true to himself early in the season and Ever since he mentioned getting back to that, he's been on fire. I mean, he was completely nuclear in uh, September. He broke the record for most hits in a month for the Jays. I think he had the most RBIs in September out of any player. Um, so Bo is a big one. Springer, I mean, everybody knows his his October record. He's one of the greatest clutch performers in October history. Like, I think win probability added, he's top 10 all time. Um, so Springer, he's got a, a very nice track record in October. The, 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 obviously the X factor is Vlad. Everybody thinks about the Blue Jays. They think Vlad, um, I mean, going into the season or this time last year, if I had told you Juan Soto is going to have four war at the end of the season, Vlad's going to have a 2.8. The first thing you probably would have said is, oh crap, the lockout took a hundred right. games out of the season. <laughs> right. <laughs> we played another 60 game season. So it, it hasn't been, it hasn't gone as expected for a couple of these guys. So Vlad's definitely been one of them. 2.8 war is definitely not what people were expecting. Um, he's got a lot of the same issues that he had in 2020, which is, if, if, I mean, league average launch angle is like what, 15 degrees or something like that. Yeah. Even in 2021, when he had an amazing season, he was at like nine degrees. But 2020 and, and this year, he's at like four degrees on a launch angle. It's, it's really wow. not good. He's beating everything into the ground. But, I mean, I guess you can take solace in the fact as a Jays fan that he has it has been looking like he's lifting the ball a little bit more lately. Uh, he beat that insane uh, left field wall at Camden just, I think, yesterday or the day, the day before. He got a homer over the wall. So he is lifting the ball a little bit. He had a good game today. So... Vlad's obviously always going to be one to look forward to. And then one that's unheralded and a lot of people aren't might not notice, but Whit Merrifield is on fire right now. Like he was three for three the other day on the game that got rained out. And he was like at the plate with the bases loaded when the game did get rained out. He got another hit today. So Merrifield's 
I mean, this is a team that's like one to nine. If they're all clicking, every single one of them is a headache for the opposing pitchers. Um, Guriel, uh, we don't know. He's in uh, Toronto today. He went uh, to Toronto early with Santiago Espinal, uh, who was uh, a very controversial all-star this year, <laughs> earlier in the season. But uh, yeah, so Espinal and Guriel are both hurt. And they've just gone to Toronto today to get some rehab in. And we're still not sure at all if they're going to make the postseason roster. But Guriel is a very clutch performer if he makes it. Espinal has been decent this year. And then the last one I'm going to mention, and I, I have to say this quickly, is if if uh, if anybody were to ask you who's leading the Blue Jays and WRC+, Plus, I mean, the guesses are likely going to be Bichette, Vladdy, or Springer. I don't think anybody's going to say that. Danny Jansen is actually leading the team <laughs> with a 144 WRC plus ahead of George Springer's 132. This guy has been an animal in a short amount of time. He's missed a lot of time with injury, but he started the season hot. He's been hot ever since he came back. Um, the Blue Jays have a very interesting situation at catcher because uh, they have Kirk, they have Jansen, and they have Moreno. So a lot of people are wondering if they're going to go with three catchers on the postseason roster. I don't think they will, but whatever they do, I mean... With Kirk and Johnson in the lineup, you can't go wrong. Um, so I think this is a tough team. Everybody knows it's a tough team, but at the end of the day, when you're looking at the playoffs, I mean, it's usually the Steve Pierces and Jorge Soler's and random people like that that end up being the biggest uh, biggest factors. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the lineup management. It's It'll be interesting to see. I mean, with the wild card game, the single game wild card, we saw teams, you know, leave off, people because you were able to reset the roster afterwards and you're able to reset it after the wild card game. But right. like, like you mentioned, if, if Kikuchi and white aren't going to be on the uh, wild card roster, cause they're just going to get aired out today. Um, we could see them carry three catchers or more likely they just fill it with more bullpen arms. Right. Cause exactly. that's what everyone yeah. always does. So, yeah. all right. Well, Hey TL, thanks so much. Are there any other things you just want to hit on going into this series against the Mariners on how you feel like you guys match up? Um, it's, a, it's, I mean, the, Mar- the Mariners obviously have the, uh, the narrative push. I mean, the crazy Cal Raleigh home run to get them into the playoffs and then everybody's kind of rooting for them. So, I mean, all I can say is to the fans, like, don't get too emotional one way or another. It's October baseball. It's good for everybody. Uh, it's a good time of the year. Uh, anybody can win. I mean, nobody expected the Braves to come in last year on the back of a bunch of random trade deadline acquisitions and go all the way to the World Series from 88 wins. Um, Jays Mariners, it's going to be an exciting series. Uh, as, as a Jays fan, I'm obviously rooting for the Jays to win. If the Jays do win, part of me is still going to be sad that Mariners fans didn't get a playoff game in their home ballpark after all these years. Um, I think it's an exciting matchup. I mean, the narratives are already kind of pre-written in there, which is you've got these electric young arms, Luis Castillo, Alec Manoa going in game one. You've got these like extremely cool, extremely impressive, exciting young players, Julio Rodriguez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You've got the veterans, Eugenio Suarez for the Mariners, Springer for the Jays. A lot of these things kind of add up, and uh, it'll be an exciting matchup. Uh, I think it's just it's good for baseball that the Mariners are back in the postseason, and yeah, I think I or I, at least I hope that even though we're in these uh, unheralded uh, 4 p.m. and 2 p.m. start time slots, we can steal a couple of the match of the night uh, honors, I guess, for a couple of these uh, wild card games. 
Yeah, and I I will say selfishly, um, I am so bummed that you guys are facing off in the first round because whoever wins this series is the team I'm cheering to take the AL pennant. Um, right. I really wish this could have been an ALCS matchup, but obviously the odds are stacked against yeah. uh, either team making it that far, first of all. But um, obviously both teams can't even make the division series. So, uh, well, TL, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your day to sit down with us. We are hoping to have you back pretty early in the offseason to give us all a guide on how to follow the baseball Twitterverse uh, during the hot <laughs> stove season. Really looking forward to that. Thank you for all you do around the sub. And uh, for you listening at home, thanks for listening. We'll be right back with another playoff segment right after this. everyone lewis here again not sure if i just handed it off to myself or not because we haven't really decided the order of these yet uh little peek behind the curtain there but uh right now i am excited to be sitting down for our raise preview with the wonderful pk rockin who we've had on before to talk about the race pk how are you doing on this fine wednesday afternoon uh it's getting a little colder out but i'm doing fantastic and i'm happy to be back Little little colder. Oh, that's right. You live in New York. Uh, <laughs> so that's that is something that would be relevant to, to say at this time of year. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. some of those those Floridians, uh, oh, it's getting colder out. It. It's almost in the 70s. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's always a, a fun jape. All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's dive right into it. You guys are squaring off against the Guardians in Cleveland. They have a very hardy top three rotation that you guys are going to have to deal with. What, yes, they do. What is the pitching strategy for the Rays going into this series? Um, yeah, so the Rays, it's the same thing that they've done all year. We're going to ride the top end of the pitching rotation as much as possible. I think that, you know, Kevin Cash is famous for the Snell pull. Mm -hmm. in uh all those all those years ago but i think that this raised team is a little more reliant on their top end starters making it deeper into games because the top end of the rotation really are our best pitchers by a pretty wide margin um so you're gonna see shane mcclanahan coming out game one um game two could get a little bit interesting depending on how game one goes if you know, I expect Drew Rasmussen to start game two, most likely. However, they might throw Tyler Glasnow out in relief um, or start him for game three. He had a couple of like five inning up to 60, 80, not quite 80, but around 60 pitch outings that went very well okay. um, against good teams. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Um, I don't think... You know, if he, if game two goes down to the wire and we have to use Tyler Glass now, um, you might see Jeffrey Springs game three, who has been, as I said in our last talk, um, very solid in the second half of the year. Um, so I think pitching-wise, we match up well against Cleveland, honestly. Um, the pitching is not 
sort of the pitching is our strong point. I'm not worried about that as a, as a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm very much looking forward to watching it actually, because they've been dominant all year and I don't expect anything different. All right. So, you know, like you said, you match up against that guardians pitching staff. Who are the bats that you see being able to make an impact this series against that, um, that, that we, that uh, three-headed monster that the the Guardians seem to have coming out of that rotation. Yeah, here's where the the waters tend to get a little murkier with the Rays, um, especially as of late. Down the stretch, the offense has been a little bit lackluster. Um, They have not really, outside of one or two guys at the top of the lineup, you know, hits have been hard to come by. There have been a lot of close ball games, but a lot of, uh, you know, scoring one or two runs ball games. Um, and the Rays have been on the losing end of most of those against um, a lot of the, the sort of playoff preview series we had down the stretch against like the Astros, Blue Jays, and, and these Guardians, um, where I think we had we lost two of them one to two, which were very frustrating games to watch. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Wander Franco has been back, he looks healthy, he's been killing it down the stretch. Um, unfortunately it's really kind of been just him, um, uh, down the stretch, you know, Randy or Rosarena has been about average. A couple of guys have been batting. Okay. Like Christian Bethencourt and David Peralta, our, our trade deadline acquisitions have been all right. Um, depending on what metrics you look at. Um, but yeah, other than that, we're going to, we want to see G man Choi, uh, step up. I think, a lot of people feel like he's been slumping. Um, have, having him step up and be an important bat in the playoffs will be huge. Um, Yandy Diaz uh, will will also be huge. He's also been very, very consistent all year. So uh, one of the two or three bats that you don't have to worry about. Uh, Harold Ramirez needs to see a little bit of a bounce back if the Rays are going to make a push into the playoffs. Um, yeah, like the the whole bottom half is, you know, that's that's the that's the fun with the Rays though is you need uh you need the who's that guy guy to uh, suddenly become a star in order to uh, see the magic happen. So you know you know maybe it's Isaac Paredes who gets on one of his two week stretches where he becomes Barry Bonds incarnate, or <laughs> or Jose Siri makes contact with the ball and good things happen, um, or you know against good pitching maybe that that doesn't happen so much and uh, you know we have, we have these low scoring nail biter games that uh you know my heart's not ready for but we'll see all right so how much of an impact do you think it's going to make that we're not going to get any games at the at the trop in this wild card series do you think that is a uh, a, a major disadvantage maybe more so a disadvantage than um some other teams might see in not being able to play at home yeah, I think so. If only because other teams tend to do worse at the trap. I think I said this last time. Um, you know, I think it's a much, uh, maybe not much, but more level playing field in Cleveland. Um, I think the cold weather, you know, may have some effect. I think that's also kind of overrated. But when you get used to playing in a perfect 72 degree dome right. every game um, with, the, with the nice climate control, uh, you know, Fall in Cleveland can be, you know, maybe a little bit jarring, but I think uh, this, I think they've gotten acclimated to it. Uh, this this last series against Boston, the weather's been uh, disgusting, 
Um, last night's game got rained out and cut to five innings and wasn't very fun at all. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, that, that helps with the, the mental preparation for a bit. You know, I think uh, this team in the past has been a very good road team. Um, so resilience is, you know, not a concern in that sense, uh, but it will not be, it'll be less than ideal. Well, I was going to say, happily for you, you appear to have all the afternoon games. Uh, so the, the chilly nights might not matter. You've got a wonderful noon start time Friday, a noon start time on Saturday, and a four, uh, four o'clock start time on Sunday. However, um, I do know that... Uh, uh, for my work, a lot of my colleagues are in Akron, Ohio, and I do know that they are expecting the weather to get down into the 50s uh, for highs over this weekend. So even with the wonderful noon starts that I know everyone <laughs> is always excited for uh, in the playoffs, that that weather might become more of an issue than uh, than, you know, if you were to go, you know, play in New York in the afternoon or uh, anywhere south of, you know, Ohio. <laughs> well, maybe that's the, uh, the raise new money ball strategies, be, be a small market, get the non-prime time games, play while the sun's out a little bit, you know, stuff gets lost in the lights of the trap stuff gets, well, not the lights of the trap, but the, the ceiling stuff gets lost in the sun. You never know what can happen. It, there we go. That's always a, a valid strategy to, uh, to try to do that, do something like that. All right. Uh, with, with kind of getting those two, you know, pitching and batting out of the way, what are the other things uh, that you might, that neutral fans who, uh, let's be honest, the Rays and Guardians don't always garner the largest national following during the year. Um, so for those casual fans who are just tuning in to Guardians or Rays, uh, and Rays especially because that's your team, um, what are some things they can be looking for this series that they might not be aware of going into it? Let's see. I mean, you have two very you know, fundamentally sound baseball teams, which is a great way of saying kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that. No, they're, it's, you know, they're, they're teams that are well-constructed with very few weak points, just, you know, not a lot of that modern three true outcome flair necessarily. Like, I don't think the Rays had a, I'm, I hope I'm not wrong. I don't think they had a 30 home run hitter this year. And I don't think anything, anybody was particularly close. Um, so you're not going to get, you know, those major, you know, chicks dig the long ball. You're not going to get that kind of player um, really with either of these two teams. I know Jose Ramirez does have the, the pop in his bat, but um, yeah, like you're not going to find any of that. You're going to find, you know, if, if you're one of those curmudgeons that is all about the small ball, Things will, there will definitely be some experimenting on the Rays side. The Rays have been um, more than eager to get thrown out on the base paths, trying to get the extra base on like a single to third situation. Or um, I think Grandia Rosarena is one of, if not the, the major league leader in steals and also in caught stealings. So they're not afraid. They're not afraid to run. They're not afraid to try the little things. Um, I know in the playoffs, uh, they're, I think it was Manuel Margot last year, the year before, got thrown out trying to steal home, which I don't think was attempted at all during the regular season, uh, maybe once by Randy. 
So it's something that, you know, the playbook is going to open up a little bit to, to squeeze every run out with, uh, with the Rays. So I think you can watch out for some of the uh, weirder, uh, lesser expected uh, baseball plays that you miss from your, your 1920s, you know, stick and toss. All right. Well, hey, PK, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your busy afternoon schedule to sit down and talk. And uh, for those of you listening at home, I'm going to hand things off to whatever our next segment is. Um, quite a bit of playoff baseball to talk about with this new wildcard series. And uh, we are just happy that you are listening and happy that we were able to get so many great uh, subreddit contributors on here. PK, once again, thank you. And we'll be right back after this. Thank you. Thank you, me, for handing it over back to me, Lewis. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Excited here. We are finishing off our AL series right here with the Guardians. We've got Deej back to talk about this brand new team that <laughs> has come into existence and uh, swept a division off its feet, sweeping the Twins and White Sox two weeks ago to really just kind of nail the division and... Uh, now they're they're just playing. They they just played to win and they won. And uh, we'll we'll see how things go from here. Deej, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? Yeah, hey everybody. Uh, you know, a little bittersweet. It's the it's the last day of the regular season. Right. You know, playoffs coming up. My team's in it, so that's nice. But it's always a little uh, a little sad this this uh, this day day one sixty two. It it is. It's especially sad for. I, I mean. I don't know how to feel like my team lost my team's out of it. Arise won the batting title, which we talked about a bit before, which is great. Uh, Small glimmer of hope, but it does mean we've got one month and then five days of dark, five months of darkness. Uh, Luckily we got the world baseball classic. uh, So maybe it's more like four months of darkness. So that that's helpful. But um, I, this is, it's a weird thing to say, but, now since the twins lost so early i can now just focus on everything else uh, yeah i agree i uh, so i i'm uh i'm a guardians fan but i'm a fan of the game too right. and when the guards are not in the playoffs or whatever name they may have been called at the time uh it's kind of fun to just watch the the other teams go at it uh stress-free because it's kind of stressful when you care about your team and, and baseball as much as we do yeah and my team always loses in the postseason and then i go for a week and i'm just too sad to watch any baseball and then i realize holy crap dude you just missed the second to last week of baseball for five months yeah. and then i'm i'm watching the world series so <laughs> the world series is almost always worth watching uh, oh yeah uh, except for that 99 world series the one with the uh where the Yankees swept the Braves and it was like each of their fourth or fifth pennant of the decade. As a, As, yeah. yeah. Didn't need to watch that one. No, no. I mean, we got a lot of teams here looking to break some droughts um, and the oh, guardians yeah. are one of them. Um, Certainly. But uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's keep this rolling because if someone's listening this far, they've listened through three other AL interviews, which yeah. is good for you guys for, for, for keeping this rolling. Uh, we're going to start with the same question I've asked everyone else here. All right. uh, and the Guardians have an especially fun one to talk about here. Mm-hmm. What is the rotation that you guys 
are bringing to town to take on the Rays here uh, in Cleveland? Uh, so uh, we, we're pretty much rolling in for sure with our, our co-aces, uh, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, they could go in either order. They're co-aces very much. Tristan really distinguished himself this year. He was kind of hadn't really had that full good year yet, and he put it up, and he's 20, just turned 25. So, uh, you know, they're, they're getting one and two. Uh, Cal Quantrill's had a great year. He's not um, he's not much of a strikeout guy, but he's kind of like a, a pitch-to-contact guy that, that gets it done. Um, and then as recently as about 10 days ago, it was a huge question mark who would start a potential game for. Uh, but fortunately, Savali comes off the, the IL, has two great starts. It's him. And then uh, Plesak comes off the IL. Uh, he looks good in a couple games, and hey, you're you're in the pen, and uh, we'll probably use you as a, a setup guy. Uh, so, um, the, uh, very optimistic. I, I think the Cleveland rotation is quite good. Um, so, I feel as good about it as as any team can. All right. So, on the other side of things, I mean, the the Rays have some good starters of their own, and PK yeah. talked about that earlier in our interview kind of breaking them down what do the guardians have on offense to counter this Rays uh pitching offensive or defensive so, uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah it's kind of offensive let's just offensive, call it offensive. yeah let's not, yeah let's not take sides um so uh one to seven uh the guardians uh, batting order is just pesky dudes that'll just hit doubles and drive you nuts on the base pass uh just like you know i'm talking Quan, ahmed rosario jose ramirez josh naylor oscar gonzalez and uh, i'm probably leaving a key guy out uh and then uh this young guy will brennan he comes out of nowhere he's at like 380 uh you know in like two weeks um he, he was just killing it at triple a i had only heard of him because i noticed there were two guys on the team will benson and will brennan that's the only reason i'd heard of him well, that's confusing Right. They should uh, really trade one of them. They should. Uh, 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 Will Benson is quite good, too. He's, he's, a, he's a good center fielder, and I could see him, you know, being good next year, too. Um, but at this point, we're rolling in with uh, seven really good hitters. But then the bottom of the lineup, you kind of get into our catcher. Our catching offensive catching situation is pretty bad. Uh, Austin Hedges uh, is hitting uh, well under 200, and he doesn't hit for much power. He doesn't walk. He's, he's, uh, he's an offensive black hole. And then uh, we've been putting uh, um, Miles Straw at the nine hole. And in a good year, he is a 270 hitter with walks. And if you, if you stick him at leadoff, you can deal with that. And he's about as good a defensive center fielder as there is. Like this dude, he, he doesn't even make any highlight reels because his routes are so good. His instincts are so good. He just gets there. He doesn't need to dive. He knows where it's going and he just gets there. So um, he makes up for his awful bat. His, his OPS plus is, uh, uh, where is it? It's uh, 65. It's, it's awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, zero homers. Uh, I think I remember once he hit a ball over the outfielder's head. The dude just oh, doesn't. good for him. He doesn't drive the ball. That's what I uh, dream of when I play softball, is getting yeah. the ball over an outfielder's head. Right. right. But he's, uh, he's killed it in September. He's, he's been hitting, I think, way over 300. Don't have that split right in front of me, but uh, he finished a uh, uh, 221, I think, and he was hitting under 200 in like late August. So he, he really, he really kicked it up a notch. Uh, so if he can just kind of be a, 
you know, a, a decent average hitter at the nine hole. That's great. Uh, so the, the batting order, I would say, uh, is very good, but ha- has its exploitable weaknesses. And if you can kind of get the right matchup against the bottom of that order, we could really kind of get nerfed uh, in the wrong situation. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just know power wise, uh, someone decided to throw the stat. Aaron judge has more home runs than the twins outfield combined. Um, and I, I said, that's makes sense. Cause Aaron judge has a lot of home runs. Yeah, Aaron Buxton has more home runs than the Cleveland guardians outfield combined. And he's part of that twins outfield that has less home runs than judge combined. So, wow. uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. So we had, uh, Miles Starr had zero. Stephen Kwan had six. And then Oscar Gonzalez, who is a decent power hitter, he hit 11 in about half a season. So uh, I, uh, he seems like a future 30 homer guy. Okay. Yeah, Straw doesn't homer. Kwan, uh, he got his six homers. You know, he might – I don't see him ever hitting 20 homers. You know, he's, he's not a power hitter. And we don't need him to be. He just – he's the perfect leadoff hitter. He just – he doesn't swing and miss. He'll draw walks. He'll hit doubles. Uh, he'll steal bases. Uh, stole twenty-one bases. Got caught once. Like, like, what more do you want from a leadoff guy? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean that Very is good. that's a prototypical leadoff guy right there. Like yeah. the prototype of a of a leadoff guy. All right. So for those who have dismissed the AL Comedy Central or just have not been uh, following the Guardians, because let's face it, the race got killed a couple weeks ago. Um, what are some things that? Uh, casual baseball fans, fans who haven't been following the team for very long, what are they going to have to learn about or they might be surprised by when they first tune in to these uh, wonderfully timed Guardians Rays series, which are definitely not uh, avoiding prime time at all costs to give other teams that limelight? Um, yeah, just that everybody on the team is is a young or a rookie. You're going to see four or five rookies uh, playing almost every game. And then a bunch of the guys that aren't rookies are like 23, 24 in their second or third full season. Uh, Jose Ramirez, I believe, just turned 30. And I think he's the oldest guy on the team. If he's not, it's uh, there might be someone a year older than him. Uh, now that Brian Shaw got cut, who is uh, in his <laughs> mid-30s. Oh, so, boy. Guys in their mid-30s getting cut. I don't <laughs> know what to think oh, about that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, just everybody's young. Everybody, uh, they're going to take extra bases. They're going to drive you nuts. Uh, there's not much swinging and missing. Um, uh, you're, you know, you're going to have to get your outs on the base pass. This team does not strike out. It doesn't. It'll draw walks. Uh, it's going to just keep things moving. Um, and then uh, the pitching, like like everybody on the pitching staff is 25, 26, 27. Um, there's three or four like good enough to get Cy Young votes, you know, a couple times in their career or better types. Uh, the bullpen, uh, the closer, best in the business, Class A. Yeah. Throws 100. I think he leads the league in saves. He's got a sub-150 ERA. Like, he's he's as good as any closer right now. And then, you know, the the setup guys, there's guys you probably never heard of, but they're they're solid. Um, I think the bullpen is uh, – doesn't have much of a, a supple underbelly. I, I don't see us kind of hitting the bottom and being like, oh, no, we got to throw that guy out. So um, outside of the uh, the bottom of the order, not really having, you know, having having to bat a couple guys that you know have like sub eighty OPS pluses, I think it's uh, it's going to be a pretty exciting team to watch, and I, I think uh, 
think they could surprise a lot of people just like they did with the whole regular season. Right. Well, all right. So last, last question. And I'm, I saved it for you. You're the last AL, uh, preview person you're also one of the more longtime contributors who we've got on for this episode what are your picks for the al side of the bracket here uh so the four wild card teams are so evenly matched i uh they're both pushes Uh, i'll go with cleveland over tampa just you know got to then um the blue jays and the mariners they're they're both very good teams but uh i just i kind of i just lean blue jays i think they I think they're deeper. They got like a guy like Manoa that can just really just absolutely shut a an offense down. They got a lot of really exciting young hitters that that are pretty likable. Their their lineup seems kind of top to bottom, you know, more impregnable. Uh, so I'll go with that. And then you know, Jays versus Guardians. Oh, sorry, they don't face each other. It should be then Guardians versus Yankees. It's tough to pick anyone over the Yankees. Or the Astros. So, like, if I'm betting, I'm betting on the Yankees, Astros, ALCS. And then between the two, again, betting, I'll go with the Astros. Okay, yeah, it's just kind of got to go straight chalk. Uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of how it feels this year. I, I'm sad about that. Uh, as I told both Mariners and Blue Jays, uh, that series, whoever gets out of there, I'm going to be rooting for. But whoever mm-hmm. gets out of this series, I'm also going to be rooting for. Yeah, um, I, I'm disappointed that the wild card teams are going to eliminate two of the ones I would feel good about winning the AL right yeah. away. Yeah, I guess the two. Uh, uh, what would you call the teams that are waiting? The, the waiters, uh, like the uh, Yankees and Astros. The the looming ominous the, presence the in the background. The, the, loomers. the loomers. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, they're uh, not. They're not using wool on anything. They're just yeah. looming. Yeah, coined uh, a term. There we go. Yeah, they're just they're just spinning their spinning wheel on their loom. Uh, right, yeah, well, th- those are those are the teams to beat. It's uh, it's sad but true. Uh, but hey, uh, it's baseball. Anything can happen. I'm pulling for the Guardians all the way through, and we'll see we'll see how they do. But uh, I feel. I'll think warm thoughts. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Deej, thanks so much for sitting down with us. For those listening at home, my part of the episode is finally over here. I'm going to turn things over to Nime and uh, Dylan, who are going to go over the Cardinals, Phillies with uh, our guests there. And then we're going to close out this episode talking about Padres, Mets. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to all our contributors. Stick around for probably another hour of the episode here because we got a long one for you. guys this is dylan uh we are going to preview the wild card series between the phillies and cardinals and we have two good friends of mine uh one familiar voice and one new to the podcast first we got representing the cardinals nime nime how you doing i am doing very well it's a nice bright day in chicago uh, I, I, I talked to you bef- uh, at the end of last podcast, I think after we recorded that I might go to St. Louis this weekend, that's not happening. Oh. Um, so I need the Cardinals to win this series so that I can maybe see a playoff game. <laughs> that's, that's your personal motivation. Not, not just the team winning, but I got to see them too. So that's good. I mean, um, also, the, also the team winning, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Second, you know, <laughs> priorities. Second, second priority um, is, is trying to go to a game. And our Phillies fan joining us today is our buddy, Pat. Pat, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going great. Uh, it's rainy day here in the Lehigh Valley. Um, 
hopefully should finally clear up tomorrow. But you know, the rain's not keeping me down. It's been a good week. Yeah, uh, since since you're new, and obviously me and Kuhan have been doing this for a little bit, you know, I wanted to start with you. Um, you you showed us something that you wrote down. I think you basically wrote an essay, getting rid of all of your like. It's basically it's it seemed basically like venting over the last eleven years of this you know poor poor Philly team, and you know, kind of getting all your words out <laughs> about how how that experience was for you. Can you just kind of? give people an idea of you know what it's like ending this long long streak for philly i mean it's it's been just it feels like it should have ended sooner than this yeah <laughs> you know after you know signing harper in 2019 uh i mean even 2018 i felt like we had a shot at ending this but you know the last 11 years has really been a fever dream for me um, watching all the just like random names that came through, you know, Jerome mm. Williams, Roberto Hernandez, mm. uh, Jeff Francoeur came through That's... here, Brady Sizemore, uh, mm. just so many random names that came through here. And then all the failed prospects as well. Uh, <laughs> Scott Kingery, who gets most of my hate. Uh, <laughs> big one. Um, he currently plays for the Iron Pigs and, I mean, I go to as many Iron Pigs games as I can a year, and mm-hmm. I just constantly hate on them. And it's just—it's uh, <laughs> been a wild fever dream, you know. Yeah. It is—it is astounding to me that it's been so long, right? Because there, like, there were always years in there that it was like, yeah, the Phillies seem like they could be good. Obviously, right. there were there was there was the you know five or six years they were like at the bottom of the barrel, fine. But then, yeah, you're right. Since 2018, they've always been a team that's like they could have an outside shot, and they have, you know, they've had a guy like Aaron Nola, or they signed the guy like JJ Realmuto, or they signed the guy like Harper, right? And it's just like always always just outside because of you know teams like the braves and the nats but <laughs> i mean there's always been something i mean yeah 2020 we had the historically worst bullpen of all time <laughs> don't uh, do i don't think you know anyone <laughs> saw that one coming uh 2021 i i don't even know what went wrong there kind of a little bit of everything yeah. i think yeah, I mean, because you had Harper playing at an MVP level, and, Zach yeah. Wheeler playing at a Cy Young level, and yeah, it just all went wrong. Alec yeah. Bohm didn't produce. Um, just it was that, that, that was like the late season collapse, right? Whereas like the Phillies kind of went down as the as the Braves, like that was you know we talked about that again in last week's episode, or in, I guess Sunday's episode, or Monday's episode, where just like the Braves kind of snuck by because the Phillies disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth. <laughs> like, yeah. It was typical low Phillies. And yeah. you know, it's yeah. just been, it's been wild. And I think part of the issue to me was the rebuild wasn't started soon enough uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like sure. the rebuild should have actually been properly started in 2012 when we knew, yeah, this is probably it. Well, um, you weren't on the Don Brown high train? Held on. <laughs> yeah. Tom Brown, baby. Yeah. Uh, Mario <laughs> held on for too long and that ultimately hurt the team. And yeah. the returns yeah. he got for players he traded, I think the only one really that's still here is Zach Eflin. Yeah. Who we got in Jimmy Rollins trade. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um so as far as this specific series, I think where I wanted to start with both of y'all, and you can kind of give both sides of this, but I think the Phillies starters are kind of where this series either is gonna be won or lost i think because i think it's the if you take both teams 
it's the widest gap, right? Is the two starters that are going to be coming up for the Cardinals versus the two starters when going to the Phillies. And so the Phillies, I'm guessing we'll have Wheeler first and Nola second. Does that sound right, Pat? Yeah, it's going to be Wheeler first and then Nola game two. And then if it goes to game three, it's going to be Ranger. Right. So, you know, where do you think those two guys are at? Like Wheeler's kind of coming off his injury. And so he hasn't had like a ton of time to warm up, but I know he's been pitching for the last few weeks. Um, Can you kind of give me your confidence in those guys, how they maybe looked over the last few weeks? Because maybe that's a better litmus test of, you know, what they're going to do now as opposed to April. You know what I mean? I think Wheeler, I have some concern with Wheeler just because he hasn't had that many starts since coming back. He's still getting stretched out. Um, Ideally, six innings, two runs is what I would see from him. I I don't think he's going to be the Wheeler that we've seen that goes seven, eight innings at a time. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be six inning Wheeler. Uh, Nola, I have the utmost confidence in. I think Nola is he's he's channeling in his inner Roy Halliday right now. Yeah, he's on a completely another level right now. Um, when, so when I, Nola's I think, on his game, it's just you know, as someone that has seen a lot of those you know games from him, it's it's really special because just the way he pitches is different. You know what I mean? He he has some velo, he has some stuff, but it all kind of clicks together, and it's just one of those things where man, it's just really hard to mess with if he's really hitting his spots. You know. And his ability to locate with his pitches, too. I mean, yeah. he only walked 29 guys this year. Right. Something That's like that. insane. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I think he's one of only three pitchers, five pitchers that have had 200-plus strikeouts and only 30 walks. Yeah. And that's all time. It's it's unbelievable what he's done this year. So, Naim, you look at that from the other side. Um, one, one, your pitchers are very different. So, if yeah. You so, so, break down that part of it so, first. So, I mean, here, here's here, like, it's, it's honestly a huge kind of weird question mark that you know, like, it fe- like it's really not certain because of how weird the Cardinals' pitching has been. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's probably Miles Michaelis in Game One, and then. Uh, Jose Quintana in game two, who is so you don't even think Wainwright's going? I, I, I think if so, because Wainwright has, has really struggled in September, and I think, oh man, trying to get him a couple of extra days off. You know, in yeah. if you look at the September starts, he has uh one start against Milwaukee where he went five innings and allowed one run, every other yeah. start, he allowed four or more runs, uh, ah, in five so, innings, yeah. five innings. Uh, six innings, three innings, and four and a, four and two thirds against the Pirates. Six innings. That was also the like the farewell to to Wayno Yadi and yeah. and uh, you know uh, and Pujols game. So like that's a, a you can maybe say that there was that involved in it. But uh, yeah, he's he's had a he had a really really in a very very good August, um, and before that a, a good season as well. But his September's been so weak that it's like I think maybe the the goal will be to get him some some time like a couple of extra days off to to maybe combat dead arm so i mm-hmm. i do think it's probably going to line up as michael as quintana and like jose quintana has been insane for the cardinals it's been uh, very good it, it he's pitched to a 201 era and he and even before that for the pirates he was pitching well he had a 3-5 era yeah. for the pirates so like he's Perfect kind of this guy. year looking yeah. like the guy who the cubs traded uh dylan cease and Eloy jimenez for <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, just you know five years later um so yeah, I I I 
I guess I trust Jose Quintana, which is weird. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Miles Michaelis has been consistently good this year, you know, strangely, like he was an all-star this year. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and also what, what, it, what it does do is, is if you win the first two games, um, then you can set up Wainwright to potentially pitch game one of the division series, which, you know, as opposed to, you know, then you have like Jordan Montgomery there, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a like, okay, maybe that works. Um, so, yeah, and there was also a lot fewer uh, rest days in the schedule this year. So that, yeah. um, you know, matters. Yeah, that does matter. Yeah. And looking at it from the opposite perspective of, you know, facing Wheeler and Nola, you know, this is it's tough because this the Cardinals lineup is objectively really good. Like, right. You know, the, your your top two guys are probably going to finish one through three in some form for MVP. Yeah. Right. But and you obviously have Albert who's on his own tear and some other good players. But it's a lineup that's probably more willing to like if they get to Ranger Suarez, like it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like a home run derby, I think. But it, for these first two guys, it makes me a little nervous having a bunch of guys who are amazing righties dealing with a with Aaron Nola's two seamer and Zach Wheeler's slider. Right. And you know, is there is there any yeah, nervousness I, there? I mean, you know, there's obviously there's nervousness there, right? Nola and, and Wheeler are both very very good pitchers, and and there's definitely nervousness there. Um, you know. Lars Newtbar has, <laughs> has actually been quite Lars. good. He's a lefty. Uh, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson are are average to above average hitters against lefties and uh, against righties. They're both switch hitters. Brendan Donovan has, you know, been like obviously these are a lot of names that you're like, what, <laughs> what's happening right now? Um, uh, but like, you know, Brendan Donovan gets on base. Uh, he has a 3.84 on base percentage uh, against a 3.79 slugging percentage. <laughs> so if you know Donovan gets on base, and then like you know, Arnado and Goldschmidt are not guys who are necessarily struggling against uh, against any right-handed pitcher. But you know, obviously, two great right-handed pitchers. You you yeah, you 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 definitely want the lefties to to show up, uh, and uh, and you don't want that lefty to be Corey Dickerson necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> you would hope not. Um, and yeah. Pat, when you look at the Philly's, Philly's legend, offense, right? yeah, Philly's, yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we all have a special place in our heart for C Dick, you know what I mean? Like for a yeah, long yeah. time, back to the Rockies <laughs> era. Um, Pat, when you look at the Phillies lineup, I, I think the recent, there's been two things with the Phillies lineup recently. One is Kyle Schwarber just hitting a bunch of home runs, which is like, that's what Kyle Schwarber yeah. does. Like he had a really nice in for his season he had a few added to the what 46 on the season i think he got the last day or two off um you know he's still not like the most dynamic hitter out there but when you got someone that can hit for that much power it doesn't really matter but really the star of the show has been jt real muto for the last like two three months that dude has just been on like i i don't even like watching him against the braves just made me want to crap my pants like it was like he's barreling up everything and when that dude gets on base it's like it feels like i'm watching like billy hamilton but he's like a catcher you know what i mean it's like this dude's gonna run all over us like this is embarrassing so any idea of what's clicked with real muto and then kind of maybe just look up and down the lineup and where the strengths and weaknesses lie if you haven't watched a lot of phillies baseball this year I think with Real Muto, what's really clicked is, you know, he finally found his swing because he was really struggling at the start of the year. Yeah. And I think the big thing was when Harper went down, 
was when he said, I need to step up and help this team. And then he started going on that tear. And then when Harper came back, that also added an extra, you know, kind of form of protection in the lineup that helped them keep that hot streak going. Mm. So I think that's really been what changed for Romuto was was realizing he needs to step up. Um, really, it was after those comments in Toronto that he was like, okay, now it's time to really start hitting. Mm. Um, which is people didn't know. Uh, they asked him about being vaxxed, and his <laughs> response was, oh, I'm okay with uh, missing a few games. I make enough money or something along <laughs> those quite lines. The, quite the bold move. Quite <laughs> the response. Yeah. But what is really, uh, I think the way they asked the question was was about him losing the money, right? Like, yeah, he, yeah. he don't get paid uh, for, the, like for the days you're on the restricted list or whatever. Yeah. For, uh, oh, they set him up <laughs> yeah. for a bad quote. <laughs> it's a leading <laughs> question. It's typical Philly media. He yeah. fell for the bait, um, though. He fell for the bait. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he fell for the Philly bait. Um, with this lineup, though, I, I think the biggest strength is the depth that it has now. Um, you have Schwarber at leadoff, who's, you know, people are like, why would you put Kyle Schwarber at leadoff? Well, he takes walks. He doesn't just hit home runs. He takes walks, too. He's able to get on. Yep. You have Hoskins behind him, who has been on a tear this season. Uh, then you got Alec Bohm or Bryce Harper, depending on how they want to arrange the lineup that day. Hmm. And then, you know, you usually have Harper clean up or Realmuto clean up, and then Realmuto 5 or Bohm 5. Uh, and then you get past those five. Well, now you've got to deal with Gene Segura. Right. And okay. he's, he's been Segura. a pain in our side. <laughs> yep. Get past Segura. Okay, now you got to deal with uh, Nick Castellanos, who, you know, hasn't been Nick Castellanos this year, but, you know, he's a death away from going on a tear. <laughs> um, God. <laughs> can, we, can we look up national tragedies that could happen in the next week? Just in case. Well, Russia, Russia is moving nukes, so oh, that's fun to uh, think about. Keep an eye. Um, you get past Cassianos, then you've got Brandon Marsh and Bryson Stott. Uh, and, and Stott's really come into his own this year, too. He had a slow start, um, but he's really picked it up yep. over the second half. And Brandon Marsh has been such a good acquisition for us. Um, he's, it's one of those trades I was like, I think this is a good move. And, you know, why, why is... Anaheim getting rid of this guy. Yeah. So quick. Yeah. You know, I, I get, you know, we have a surplus of catcher prospects, but I mean, I think they have a lot more holes they need to fix than uh, finding the next catcher for the six years yeah. uh, out there. I mean, um, you know, for them, I think there's, there's probably just like, you know, Hey, what do we think this guy's going to be versus what do we think this guy's going to be? Brandon Marsh is probably closer to a platoon guy, you know, but since he can play good center field, you might not need to bench him at all anyway. You know what I mean? So, right. and it's not like, they are going to play him a lot in center field because of trout being there. So maybe they just like, okay, we can't maximize his value here. So let's let the Phillies right. do it. But that's, that's a great trade for the Phillies to make. If you think, you know, Hey, like this catcher's good, but we also have the best catcher in baseball, but like a country mile, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we nice. also needed a good fielding outfielder because, you know, running uh, <laughs> Kyle Schwarber, uh, Nick Cassianos in the corners is, uh, recipe for disaster, which has been seen multiple times this year. Yeah, the the Harper DH situation. You know, like it's great that he can still play, but man, watching those corners have just been 
hellacious. <laughs> and it's been just a real, real treat for me personally as someone who has not been a Phillies fan. But uh, you oh, know, oh, I know you've you've taken great joy, oh. and I've kept quiet. Yeah. I've kept quiet all year because it's you know my thought process is, oh, you know, maybe we'll go on a tear in the playoffs, oh, and then yeah. I can laugh at everyone who doubted us. You know, hey, if that happens, I will take every bit of it. But you know, until then, I'll, I'll. It's, yeah, no. Look at Nick Cassiano's flailing at line drives um, with a I, happy I, grin. I, I laugh too. It's hysterical <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> he looks like a deer, like a newborn deer. You know what I mean? He just long strides, just no direction. You know, Shades doesn't know where he's going. Yeah, yeah, a lot, lot of that energy. <laughs> I mean, that is. I mean, the, the, go ahead, Pat. The, the major requirement to being a Phillies fan is uh, to uh, have a uh, sick. Uh, addiction to pain yeah and self-deprecation you know, to laugh at the pain uh, you have to hate yourself to be a Phillies fan it's an important yes. part of the Philly exactly. experience yeah um yeah I guess that is kind of the x-factor because real it's it's weird because Rio Muto obviously is like probably the best defensive catcher in baseball too right but everywhere else the Cardinals should have an advantage right like first base second base shortstop third base like I can't think of a spot like who's who's starting to be starting a shortstop is it still probably Edmund? Uh, probably Edmund, yeah. Yeah, like I can't think of a spot where I would take anyone on the Phillies defensively above anyone on the Cardinals outside of catcher. And, you know, you still have Yachty, who, you know, is not a slouch. Yeah, prob- probably left hell. field just because Tyler O'Neill is still injured. But, like, that's still, like... <laughs> you, hold on. You take Kyle Schwarber over Tyler O'Neill? No, Tyler O'Neill is injured, but I take Kyle Schwarber over Corey Dickerson or Juan Yepes. Like, I still... <laughs> Maybe not over Dickerson, but over Yepes probably, okay, actually. I'll give you Yepes, who's like an underqualified first baseman playing left field. So I get that. Yeah. But that is kind of maybe where some of this... Because in my head, I think the Phillies actually have a really great chance here. This is a great team for the Phillies to match up against to get through because... I think I mentioned it before we just started. The Phillies feel more tuned for a two out of three series than like any other team in baseball. You know, because yeah. once you get past their top two guys, they fall off really hard. And the longer you have to test their lineup over time, it probably gets worse. But like if you just look at it in like a flash, you know, which is two games like, oh my God, Wheeler, Harper, Nola, Schwarber, Real Mutio, you know, this stuff adds up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the defense stuff, you know. At costing Nola or Wheeler an extra run or two here and there, and then not letting your relievers get out as quick as you want, that might be kind of the difference. But um, is there any other kind of key players that you guys would identify from either of your teams that you know either bullpen or you know just anyone like that that you think could be a difference maker? And if uh, Nime, if you want to start there. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, uh, Ryan Helsley certainly has has pitched very well all year. Um, but uh, it sort of got moved back to the um, uh, uh, setup man role a bit as Giovanni Gallego stepped sort of back up and back into the to a, a closerish role. So the sort of back of the bullpen, um, uh, you know, as as Helsley can kind of be used more as a, as a fireman type. Uh, so definitely, I, you know, I'm I'm. Uh, a lot more comfortable with the relief pitching than than I I certainly have been in in some previous years. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Jordan Hicks and Matthew Liberatore just got called back up um, to potentially pitch out of the bullpen. Yeah. So that's like you know I mean almost certainly pitch out of the bullpen, right? They're not they're not really going to start uh, playoff games. So like that's you know 
I I uh, I don't know. I I feel I feel strongly about about the bullpen being a being a point of of decent strength. Um, you know, we didn't want to talk about Yepes's bat, which I think is you know he's probably going to be the fifth hitter. Um, and and you know he's definitely a, a strong. I I'm I'm he's like he's like the DH of the future, right? So right. like yeah, if they have a defensive spot for him to play, or they can DH him, right? If if it's right. like if it lines up as like Donovan. Uh, Edmund and then Goldschmidt at first, Arnado at third, and then uh, Yep as a DH because obviously Pujols uh, will not be, or most likely will not be uh, hitting against uh, right-handed starters, especially not elite right-handed starters. Um, and, and you know the, the lineup does fall off a little bit after that with uh, with Carlson, you know, is is sort of just okay, and Kisner or Molina, both, you know, whoever ends up starting that game, probably Molina will start the first game, I'd hope. Right. Um, but even like, you know, his, his bat looks like a, a, a very young Yadier Molina's bat, which is uh, not a compliment. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, uh, there's obviously bench questions, you know, uh, Ben Deluzio has been playing a number of games. Uh, <laughs> you if what? you know who Ben Deluzio <laughs> is, you're a better man than I. Cause uh, <laughs> like, what did you call me? Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I, 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 it's one of those things where you kind of hope you don't have to dig into the bench much past Pujols and Dickerson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, otherwise I think, uh, I think it lines up the, the, you know, obviously we said that the, the, the lineup for the Cardinal for the most part is strong. The pitching obviously is a weakness. And then, yeah, the, 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 the relief pitching is, is a little bit more of a strength again. So, yeah, I could see, I could definitely see the Cardinals this series kind of pulling like a Brewers, like, you know, ultra aggressive with bullpen usage, you know, whereas yeah. I think the Phillies, like if Wheeler gets into trouble, I think it's just going to be Zach Wheeler. Get out of it. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be right. uh, a very large difference. Is, I don't know. We're talking about the Phillies bullpen already. Like how is the Phillies? Is it like, it's obviously it's not as tragic as it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pat, like if you want to go over that, I know Sir Anthony has had a really nice bounce back year, which has been pretty, you know, <laughs> like, you needed someone to step up right after the Knable kind of thing fell through and some others. If you want to touch on the bullpen and maybe any other pieces. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's actually what I was going to bring up. Uh, very similar to um, the Cardinals. I, I feel like the back end of the bullpen for the Phillies is actually going to be a strength for the series. Um, you know, you get through uh, six innings of Wheeler or six innings of Nola, you know, then the Phillies are able to deploy Robertson, Alvarado, and Sir Anthony yeah. in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, which, you know, all three of those guys have been very good for the season, especially Alvarado here in the second half. Yeah. Uh, he's been untouchable. Yeah, he has um, a 38% K rate this season, which is pretty nutty. Ridiculous. And, you know, Sir Anthony coming back after just, like, not throwing a baseball for almost two years is an incredible story because – I always loved Sir Anthony Dominguez. He he felt like he was going to be like that next lights out closer. Yeah. Um, before he had that injury, and to see him come back and step into that role, and it, it's not lights out, but he's been solid. Yeah. He, he's put up. He can he can get you out of a jam, and he can get you a one two three save. And he still throws um, hundred, right? You know what I mean? And when you have anyone that yeah. throws like that, you know, that's a weapon, even if he's not, you know, superstar. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, other Phillies, I think, to watch out for in this series. Um, number one, Bryce Harper. And not just because he's Bryce Harper, but because 
while he was with Washington, everyone said, you know, Harper chokes in the playoffs. Mm. I think Harper is going to silence those haters and go off uh, in this series. And then any series that come after it, uh, should they get through this? Um, the other player is uh, John Segura, or Gene Segura, for those who are not from Philly. <laughs> John. Uh, this is his first ever playoff series. Really? In his career. <laughs> he has funny. never made the season before. So it's super exciting for him to be in this spot, and I think he's I think he's going to go off. I think this is going to be a good spot for him. Yeah, he's he's been really really solid this year. And Harper, you know, there's that series they had against the Giants a few years ago, the National of the Giants, where he just ended Hunter Strickland's career basically. And like, we he still had those moments, even even if he hasn't like put it together for like a full postseason. You know, he's had those moments where it's like, man, this guy is just. Oh, he's he's he, we know is capable of just completely blowing up a team. Right. So um, having that X factor on your side, even if he can't play the field, you know, that is, is a horrifying, horrifying person to see come up, you know, sneak up the bat with two guys on and, you know, your season on the line. So, um, well, yeah, uh, I was like, weirdly enough, this is, this is actually no. So weirdly enough, this is actually Nolan Arenado's uh, second playoff series. Right. He's played three wild card games, uh, <laughs> but only one division series. So like this is the this is his you know fourth so wild, wild card game, but is yeah somehow is his only his second playoff series. Um, so I don't know. So, so obviously, so I mean, hard, you know, obviously, if if you're gonna bring up Harper, like yeah. obviously Arenado Goldschmidt, I thought I thought those were the, those were the obvious ones on yeah. the Cardinals to watch out for. Obviously. Are the Arenado and the Goldschmidt? Yeah. Um, the you know, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and and I'm sure you know, as some left-handed reliever is going to have to uh, deal with the juggernaut that is Albert Pujols, uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. Um. Okay. Yeah. So I think that pretty much touches upon everything. I think. My, you know, as a third party, I'd probably lean Phillies just purely because of the two starters up front, right? I think that's kind of the edge that the Phillies get. I think if it does, if the if the Cardinals get one, I think they probably win Game Three because once they get the Suarez or something like that, like as good as as good as Suarez can be or Kyle Gibson, I don't think they're going to do that. But you know what I mean? I think. Once they get there, they're fine. But I think the power of Wheeler and Nola should be the edge. Um, obviously, I'll say that. And then the Phillies will find some, you know, they'll Kyle Schwarber will fall flat on his face on a fly ball or something like that and just totally blow that up. But um, any last, you know, predictions or thoughts about how you expect things to go and shape up here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the basically as as we already said the Cardinals just need to take one of the, of the two games, you know, the first two games. And then, you know, once you come up against Ranger Suarez, it's, it's, you know, now you're (laughs) like, that's kind of what you need to get to is, is have, you know, the, the, the three best right-handed hitters in the national league this year, uh, Goldschmidt, Arnado and Pujols, um, uh, facing, facing Ranger Suarez. So like, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that's, that is, that is the goal is, is you want to either beat, uh, Wheeler or beat Nola, and if you happen to win both of those games, then then that's great. Even better, yeah. And Pat, you. So for me, it's it's fitting that it's the Cardinals that the Phillies get in their first playoff series in eleven years. It had to be the Cardinals in my mind. Uh, our dynasty ended with Ryan Howard crumpled on the first baseline while the Cardinals celebrated around him. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fitting. 
and this is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. <laughs> this wild card series will end with Albert Pujols grounding out on a Sir Anthony Dominguez fastball, and the Phillies will celebrate in Bush Stadium as they move on While to Pujols the division series. Rise around on the ground. <laughs> Oh man. You know, tears will roll down his face. Uh Yachty will cry. Wayne will cry and uh we'll send them into the sweet, sweet retirement they deserve. It would be very fitting. I, I of course am wondering Pujols, uh <laughs> what uh what situation has led to Albert Pujols batting against Anthony Dominguez, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's either him or Corey Dickerson or whatever. Like I thought probably just give Albert the shot, but you know, maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I, maybe, maybe it'll be, I think, yeah. you know, we didn't really touch upon it, but this is Albert's, you know, could be his last series, especially, you know, getting the series at home, right. They get to play in St. Louis. So I expect him to be a part of this one way or another. Hopefully that's in a positive right. way. Um, that'll be really cool if he pops off or does something, you know, I can't really count anything out after how August and September went. So, um, right. And then Yachty, I mean, Yachty's obviously not had a very good season, but he's a guy who like likes to show up in the playoffs yeah, he does um <laughs> he really so, does like that's that's that is certainly like you know it's one of those who are like well you know he's been like a 54 w uh, ops plus player this year but you never know with uh with yadi molina popping into a to a playoff game and yeah. and you know hitting a, a well-timed single those juices flowing in october and yadi just turns in the freaking Popeye you know what I mean I still have yeah I still have like PTSD of that wild card game like so many like just the random the weird hits he's able to get just like oh man yeah yeah it just doesn't make sense it it, it truly it truly does not make sense but uh but he does it so inevitably someone like that will be the difference in the series and this will all be rendered you know pointless or Ben Deluzio it's either it's either Yachty (laughs) or Ben Deluzio one of the two I'm I'm really confident it's not him but it would be Pete Cardinal's (laughs) sport to be him so um for Ben Deluzio to be the Pete Cosma of I feel like if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be Brendan Donovan that tortures us. Brendan Donovan does feel like a horrible guy. Brendan Donovan is like is like a rookie of the year contender, right? Like he's not going to win, but he's like he's going to maybe get third place, right? Okay, yeah, but like by default. like a four war player like he's like he shouldn't be but like he's yeah, been good all been year fine. for some reason as opposed to like a you know like an alec burleson who's like yeah here's a dude i get or like a paul de young right like yeah, you know he's a guy point. who's like shouldn't be good and suddenly decides to have a really good three games not even certainly a pest and that being a well, pest geez, is good. those kind of predictions i think and Ed, mundo sosa is going to torture the cardinals this series oh that's a fun one. Oh man honestly it's not a, that's not a bad prediction uh yeah if they, if they get quintana they they'll probably start sosa right like oh it's so on the il though right oh is he hurt so i didn't injured, know that for sure yeah, I don't know so, if he was actually. Yeah, if so. Oh yeah, he's on the IL. Okay. All right, you guys uh, Locked miss out on Sosa. I mean, he, he could be, he could be, he could be back tomorrow. But otherwise, yeah, uh, so, feel confident that uh, we're not going to have to face Bruno uh, Sosa. Maybe it'll be long ball Derek Hall then. Oh, oh. Maybe he'll do something. <laughs> Jesus. All right, let's let's end it on long ball Hall. Uh, thank you guys. I, I wish you well, and I will be uh, enjoying not having to watch my teams, and I'll uh, leave you two guys to the stress of watching this experience unfold awesome thank you thanks pat thanks nine all right and i'm sure i'm probably gonna be on the next segment so <laughs> figure that out thanks guys i'm all over this episode it's fine <laughs> you can't get rid of them hey everyone welcome 
welcome back. I said you'd probably hear me in this segment, and here I am in this segment. Uh, I am Nam. You just heard me talk about the Cardinals and Phillies, probably, or you skipped directly to this segment, in which case, uh, welcome. Uh, I am joined by two wonderful people who I've known for many, many years, uh, have not been on the podcast before, though. Uh, first up to talk about the Padres, uh, I have uh, Luis, a.k.a. Icacchio. How's it going, Luis? All right. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, Luis has done the um, he's done the offseason sim once as well, but he's done the trade deadline game for a number of years. Uh, if you are a if you are a regular in that game, you will know the running joke is that Luis is currently doing this podcast from my trunk. Uh, yeah, I'm still stuck in the trunk, never leaving. <laughs> it's pretty comfy now. <laughs> uh, I do legitimately have Wi-Fi in my car. That part is true. Um, uh, also, uh, here is, uh, Jeff, AKA the jive master. How's it going, Jeff? It's going great. Thanks for asking. How you doing? I'm doing well. Jeff does the off season sim with uh, myself and Dylan and Pat also, by the way, who was on the previous segment with us, um, as well as some other people who have appeared on the show in the past. So, uh, uh, yeah, thanks guys for joining. And uh, let's talk about this matchup between the Padres and the Mets. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Jeff, because we're going to talk about rotations uh, because there's nothing clearer in the world than the three pitchers who are going to pitch this series for the New yeah, York yeah. Mets. Uh, but uh, why don't you talk about well, who's going to pitch first? Is it going to be Scherzer? Going to be Degrom? What's uh, what's what are we looking at? Well, I think the plan is Degrom, right? Uh, but I wouldn't be. Yeah, no, I think it's Degrom. Uh, it's hard to not feel pretty great going into any game DeGrom is starting, although the Braves did just show us he's mortal last week. Yeah. But either way, it's hard to not feel like pretty fantastic going into this matchup with DeGrom and Scherzer going one and two. The only thing that gives me a little pause is our bullpen. I definitely trust Ottavino and Diaz now, but beyond that, not really anyone. Um, and then I guess, Luis, first I'll ask how you feel about the Padres lineup going up against DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett. Um, they've, you know, you've, you've, the Padres this season are four and two against the Mets, I, but haven't faced DeGrom very much. No, I actually feel pretty confident about the Padres lineup. The bats have been heating up. Uh, Will Myers has been overperforming. He's playing like he's a man set on fire. Machado has been swinging the bat consistently all year. Juan Soto's been struggling a little bit, but he has been picking up, which is which is showing he's doing a little bit better towards the end of the year. And Ha Sung Kim, wow, that man is an excellent replacement for whatever uh, for when Tatis left the organization because of his. Uh, you know what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. He, he has filled in excellently. And Jerickson Profar this year has been a wonderful surprise. He's been doing really excellent in the leadoff spot lately. So I think they do have the pieces. And towards the end of the season, they were heating up. They were scoring runs. They were driving in runners. They were putting men on base. They were doing really well. So I am pretty confident that they can stand up to the Mets pitching staff. But I will Mets- say about Oh. Uh, I was gonna say about Kim is like like that is the guy who was like definitely from last year it was like yeah he's he seems pretty good and I think if he gets like regular playing time he might you know 
step up a bit and but like yeah it's never going to happen because of the tati situation and then yeah. suddenly the tati situation became a very different tati situation the the monkey's paw uncurled when i asked for kim to have more playing time yeah exactly hated it but <laughs> i love him and he is my favorite padre um but you were saying against uh, against the uh the degrom and the scherzers i think they could definitely score at least two runs if it came down to it uh the players have been hitting and they do have pretty good depth when it comes to pinch hitting in uh situations whenever i don't know trent grisham needs to be replaced because that that trent grisham has been doing pretty terribly this season in terms of hitting his defense is really great but he has not been able to do anything he's hitting 183 currently and uh, I don't know how many games, but no, 151 games. He has been very disappointing this year. I don't know what's going on with him. There were rumors that his performance has faltered because he has been quitting chewing tobacco, but maybe it's just something mental. And also, you haven't really mentioned the, uh, you know, the the rock for the uh, Padres this year, Manny Machado. Oh, Manny Machado. He, in my opinion, is the MVP, not just for the Padres, but for baseball himself i know i'm a little biased being a padres fan and everything but he's really been the leader for this organization he's been showing uh the younger padres the ropes and has been really putting this team together kind of carrying him on his back i'm surprised he hasn't been on the injured list for carrying this team on his back i'll tell you what uh, uh dylan and i talk often about the um slack channel that we're in which uh jive is also in um and actually louis sorry so are you you just haven't logged in in three years um oh, but yeah. uh <laughs> but uh, uh i just had an argument a couple of days ago with uh our uh, you know one of our resident dodger fans uh about like he truly believes manny machado deserves the mvp over Goldschmidt and Arenado, and and I, I understand the arguments. Um, I, I I totally see where it, where where you could come from with those. Um, he you know uh, by Fangraphs War, he's right up there with those two guys. Um, and you know as far as the team itself goes, without Manny Machado, they're nothing. And uh, whereas the Cardinals could maybe suffer the brunt of not having one or the other of uh, of Goldschmidt and Arenado. Um, uh, of course, you know my my own potential bias would would say that uh, that I think Goldschmidt and Arnado are, are are the two best, but uh, but I certainly you know I certainly see uh, the the argument for Machado, and he has certainly had a, a great season. So um, you know that that's got to be comfortable coming into a, a very important uh, wild card playoff series. As far as as far as the Padres rotation, um, you know there's a lot of names in here that have been good and have been less than good in, in, you know, various, at various yeah. different times. It's not quite as clear cut uh, as the Mets rotation, but uh, you know, I'm guessing it looks more like a, like a Darvish Musgrove Snell type situation or. It does. Uh, the thing about the rotation, if you were to tell me this rotation in 2015, 16, 17, you, you'd be like, how? How are all these players are on one team and pitching together? But, you know, they have gotten a little older. They have gotten a little, I want to say worse, but 
they, they've definitely aged, but their ERAs are still all around 3.4 and below. And they have put up great numbers, especially Snell after the All-Star break. This is off the top of my head, but I think he's had a like sub-2 ERA after the All-Star break. Uh, it was just weird because this has happened last year too. Whenever uh, the All-Star break happens, all of a sudden he figures out how to pitch again. And Musgrove has been a pretty solid rock. He's been consistent throwing out uh, solid innings and Darvish has even been more consistent. I think he set the record for the Padres with most consecutive quality starts. This may I may be lying, maybe made this up. I, 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 I remember hearing something that like school. that. Yeah. yeah, I definitely heard something like that. So these play uh, these pitchers will definitely give you quality innings. They might give up three runs or something like that. So it's really up to the pot, uh, the batters, uh, Machado, Cronenworth, Kim, Profar. It's up to them to put up runs because they're going to give you a quality start. And the quality start may end up being two, three runs, but you know, two, three runs in a playoff game is more than enough to win. So it's up to the bat. I mean, that, that is true, but I, but I guess you know, you you are <laughs> just going by what you've said so far is is you're thinking two, three runs what you'll give up, and maybe two mm-hmm. runs what you score. So that's yeah, you know, that's a that's a bit of a of a tougher. Uh, but uh, I'll ask uh, Jeff, how do you how do you feel about uh, about <clears throat> the Mets lineup against the uh, against the Padres pitching. I mean, you know, yeah, there, there's, there's a couple of, of quite, uh, quite good hitters on them. I mean, mostly quite good hitters on the Mets lineup, except for one. Yeah. Which, we Like weirdly, I feel pretty good about uh, going. Uh, Musgrove doesn't have great career numbers against the Mets. They seem to light them up a lot. Darvish and Snell do. And Snell's, you know, he's the kind of guy who, when he's bad, it's almost like he's hurt and he's so bad. And when he's good, he's like unbelievable. And right now he's been unbelievable. So I don't feel great about going up against Darvish and Snell. And I also don't feel great about Juan Soto just always kills the Mets, whether he's in the NL East or the NL West. And uh, I feel like Brandon Drury, be, just because he was a Met, is going to light us up too. That said, though, it's still it's still it's so hard to really be like super concerned. With, I mean, again, this all comes with the caveat of I'm a Mets fan, so there's always a level of concern that we're going <laughs> to implode. But – I don't know. I feel pretty good with uh, Degrom and Scherzer, and uh, hopefully, you know, it doesn't even get to a game three. The you know saying that clearly, you know, I just jinxed us. Uh, but I feel pretty good, and yeah, I feel pretty good about. Uh... Oh, your question was about our hitters against their pitchers, though, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, but uh, that, but I I would I would agree with what you said so far, though, too, is that yeah, like I I also feel pretty good about I, I would feel pretty good about Bassett and Snell uh, as a head to head there too. I think that 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 kind of makes sense. But yeah, as far as the, as far as the hitters go, um, what's uh, what's the feeling there? You know, I feel like our team rides off of momentum a lot, so it's really I, to me, it's probably going to come down to if De, if Degrom goes out and pitches a hell of a game and like we actually manage to score runs, which. It kind of feels like the not scoring for the Grom thing is kind of in the past now because they've been pretty good this year. But if they can win that game with the Grom, I feel like it'll help carry them to keep their bats hot. But if we get shut out, like if the Grom pitches a seven to eight inning gem, but it allows one run and then we lose one zero, I just feel like it'll demoralize <laughs> them so much that they'll kind of, you know, lay an egg the next game. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. What was the year whenever DeGrom had what, what, close to a losing record? Or he had... He had a, I think he had literally a losing record. And then he had like a two ERA or something around that. It was like 
Oh, no, yeah, he was 10 and 9, but he had a 1.7 ERA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it was unprecedented. It was something yeah, that insane. you couldn't make up because just the numbers doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's been He's hard cursed. to watch. He's cursed. <laughs> Um, as far as the, as far as the hitters, what's, what's, uh, the Starling Marte situation, right? He's, he's still injured. He's probably not coming back for the wild card yeah, round. He's gonna miss, yeah. He's going to miss the whole wild card series. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, as far as the rest of that Mets lineup, I mean, every, uh, pretty much every single hitter in this lineup has an OPS plus over 120. um, yeah. you know, except for the catcher position and, Eduardo Escobar, <laughs> like, and, and that's Eduardo Escobar in the past like month or so has been unbelievable. So like, I feel great about having him going into this uh, wild card series, especially considering how clutch he's been too. He's not just been good or hitting empty home runs; like he's been hitting walk off, you know, like game uh, game tying or game winning home runs, stuff like that. And uh, we just called up Francisco Alvarez. He did, he just hit a home run the other day. So uh, hopefully, you know, production from the catching uh, standpoint, now that we've moved on from McCann to some degree, looks a little bit better. But yeah, even so, like it almost doesn't even matter if those positions are not great. Because hey, didn't James McCann a home is... run today? <laughs> was it today or was it yesterday? I, I thought it was today, but it might have been yesterday. It might have been today. Maybe, maybe, I never maybe. know whether the TVs I'm watching at work are live or not. <laughs> I think I think it was today because because uh, all the games were day games today to give uh to give like oh a, yes a, yeah see because it was a day game I, I assumed it was a recording because SNY loves to play the encore like four times back to back before the seven p.m. game <laughs> I just assumed I was watching yesterday's game. Um. Uh, also, you know, everyone talking much about Jeff McNeil who just won the batting title. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm and, uh, and Pete Alonso, 40 home runs. Like it's definitely like top to bottom. I think this is this is one of the better Mets lineups. I mean, you know, they won 100 games, right? There's there's certainly something yeah, and, to be said about that. He's becoming much less of a boomer bust type player. Like last year, kind of looked like he was kind of heading towards that Joey Gallo thing, where it was a home run or a strikeout, and not much in between. But this year, this year he's been hitting a bunch of you know extra base hits with men on base and stuff like that, and just generally getting on base. So it's cool to see him become a more complete hitter. And going into uh, the wild card series, I. It's nice to know that he'll be, you know, he'll see men on base and he's like, I need to drive them in. Not, I need to drive them in by hitting a home run right now. And then he swings out of his shoes and strikes out. Like, it's frustrating seeing that. But now it seems like he's a little more patient at the plate. He's fine with taking a walk. And him taking a walk is fine now because the other batters around him are good. It used to almost be a detriment. Right. So you walk him and then you'd be up against, you know, Luis Giorman come up and you love the man, great beard, phenomenal defender. But, you know, you don't really want him up with uh, anyone on base, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think everything's kind of broken the, the right way for the Mets lineup this year. And that's uh, that's certainly, you know, a place you, you like to be in. Um, oh, yeah. For, and I, I don't, I tend to Dan not Vogelback put too much too, by the way. <laughs> What was that? Dan Vogelback as a, you know, deadline acquisition. Like, that's a... Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it is like the classic, like, uh, goofy meme guy to actually be genuinely good. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I've been looking at. I don't tend to not put too much stock into BABIPs, but like the BABIPs for the entire Mets team is like above three hundred, which is kind of uh, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but uh, they might be overperforming a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a situation where they're like the the twenty twenty one Giants, right? Where like every player was like, you know, oh, yeah, playing yeah. way 
their head and they're all 35 years old. It's like a lot of guys who are like, yeah, this is like kind of where you kind of ex- like you hope and expect them to be. Maybe they're a little better than you expect, right? You don't necessarily expect, uh, uh, you don't expect everybody to, to do it at once, but also like Alonzo, like you said, took a step up this year, McNeil, you know, with the batting title and, uh, um, you know, guys like, uh, like Canna and, and Vogel back. Lindor. Kind of- Lindor's been pretty good again. Finally. Yeah, Lindor as well. Yeah. Like, Lindor is like a guy who you kind of expect to, to like, you kind of, he shouldn't have been as, as not good as he was the last couple of years, which he was still good, but like, but you know, you, you're right. He is, you know, he is, um, like just outside of it like he might get like some some uh outside mvp votes like not like first place votes but like third fourth place votes so like yeah you know, he's telling me after years of watching ahmed rosario or whoever we had at shortstop <laughs> wilmer flores was we had him at starting at shortstop at some points after watching that shortstop de- defense for all these years having lindor is like he could hit just he could be horrendous he could hit 200 for the yeah. rest of his contract no, actually, I would that that would piss that would uh, not make me happy. But just <laughs> just to have like every ball isn't like you hold your breath when it's hit to him is yeah. just an unbelievable feeling. No, I I, I totally like it's it's uh, you know as as a Cardinals fan, it's like it's like you know you, the the gap for you between Jose Reyes and Francisco Lindor is kind of the gap for us between like you know um, uh, Ozzy Smith and. There was there was a parade Lars of mediocre shortstops after Ozzy Smith for yeah, like yeah, 15 yeah. years. So I I totally like I totally get where you're where you're coming from there. And like you know yeah. even Paul DeYoung is like Paul DeYoung who is like not a great hitter right now, but is a pretty decent fielder. But then like you know guys like um uh, uh oh my god Tommy Edmond who is like killing it defensively. And I'm like okay great now we can breathe and relax. Yeah. Like I, so I totally I totally understand that. Yeah. And like um, not for nothing, there's like something about when you lose because your team makes a bunch of errors rather than like they didn't hit it hurts right. more like it bothers me more you know when it's like watching like the phillies would just be brutal for me if i did if i was a phillies <laughs> like i just a play that you should have made and they didn't yeah. make that play and like whereas like a hit you know hitting is hard right you you like yeah. you don't hit the ball you know, like that's the whole thing, right? If you fail 67% of the time, you're a Hall of Famer, right? Whereas if you fail 67% of the time as a fielder, uh, you do not play baseball. <laughs> so yeah. like a whole different, a uh, whole different thing. Uh, or you play Alex for the Phillies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, they have, uh, they have, you know, Nick Castellanos and, uh, and Kyle Schwarber. Like, they have like 40 H's on that lineup. It's insane. Um, no <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch plenty of that over the next weekend as well. So so that's uh, that's yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's uh, I think that's uh, the, any any like other keys that you think that you haven't really mentioned or any secret weapons. I guess I'll, uh, Lewis, you haven't said anything in a while. You, anything for the Padres that are like a, like a key that you that you haven't already talked about that you think needs to click in order to to you know overcome the two you know two of the best pitchers in the National League. <laughs> I just fully believe that the Padres are less cursed than the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's, fair. That's, our, that's our key to the game. Just capitalize on the misery that is New York Met baseball. Yeah. Uh, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it be more cursed for the Mets to go face – they would face the Braves if they win, right? Uh, no, no, it's the Dodgers. No, they face the Dodgers. They face the Dodgers. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Although I mean, a beat down from the Dodgers almost is also more cursed. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Dodgers. 
<laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, are the Padres is the Padres curse going to take them over the Mets and then take them <laughs> directly probably. into the path of the of the Los Angeles Dodgers? Probably. But is that really? It, is that really a positive more, at that point? No, but a more serious <laughs> answer might be the Padres bullpen, especially Nick Martinez. That man has single handedly carried the bullpen and the entire pitching staff on his back for like a month. He started, closed, and relieved all in like one week, I remember. It was so bizarre, but he's been really solid out of the pen. Also, Josh Hader, he's going to definitely cause me to have cardiac arrest at 21. <laughs> going to load the bases and then get us all out but i guess that, 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 that may be the big like, he's, he's closing now right again or is he not yeah is he like he's, he's closing again and he's been doing a pretty good job lately but uh so you're kind of living and dying by by hater maybe <laughs> probably but the bullpen is probably what's going to make or break the padres because i do not realistically see uh snell or darvish going eight or nine I see them going six, giving quality start, and then it comes down to the three or four pitchers that um, our manager, uh, Bob Melvin, decides is up to the task. Is that like Suarez, Martinez, Hater, or, you know? Or... Might be. It might be that. There, there's, right. there's some also good pitchers in the, in the Padres yeah, yeah. organization. I mean, obviously, you can mix and match there, too, but... Uh... Throw in Manaya, uh, you know he. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, Chris Matt, he's also pretty good. Uh, who who would uh, who would be the fourth starter? Like who would start essentially game one of the division <clears throat> series? <clears throat> Probably a fan of the stadiums, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. At that I just point, assume that would be like Manaya or or, or Clevenger, it, it, right? But like, uh, no, I think Clevenger's on the IL, not because of an injury that he sustained. It's like an illness, so I think he might be back by then. But I think, I think, it, yeah. According to Baseball Reference, he's active. So, oh, okay, so he's active. He's just he has something. I, I forgot what it was, sure. but it might be Clevenger for Game Four, and um, after that we go on a four-man rotation. So Darvish would start again. That's if right, right. they get yeah. past the Mets. If, if obviously if they get past the Mets, well, if they get past the Mets, then Clevenger would be Game One of the division yeah. series. But I was just like, because um, because I think the the um, again the Mets probably line up a little bit better there. You have you mm-hmm. know, Tywin Walker. Or the, Carlos Carrasco, or like, yeah, the the Padres pitching staff is very top heavy, and once you get past Musgrove, you got Sean Manaya, whose numbers have been terrible, an ERA of four point nine six. I had high hopes for him coming into the season, but he, he's just been kind of disappointing. Hater, by the way. We, we we on the podcast because of how uh insanely bad of a July August he had. Uh, but yeah, his September his September slash October whatever, uh ten innings pitched and only one run given up, one earned run and, yeah. and one unearned run. So like he's definitely looked more like the Josh Hader you expect. But yeah, like he- the July August was a twelve five four and then a nineteen oh six ERA uh in sixteen or seventeen total innings between them, but uh seventeen innings and twenty five earned runs in those uh in July and August, which is just not what they traded for. <laughs> but uh but September, October is more like what they what they want. Yeah. Oh yeah. Josh Hader's been doing significantly better after he got over what who was going through. It might have been just Smith, uh, <clears throat> but now he's locked and loaded, and he's been pitching like the Josh Hader that we know. 
Um, as far as the Mets go, Jeff, uh, what's, uh, what's the secrets of, of the Mets success, uh, or, or anything in the bullpen, obviously, you know, Edwin Diaz and Adamino, like you said, have been, have been really strong, but, uh, any other, any other sort of, you know, keys to success for them? Yeah. What, what you just touched on is pretty much exactly what I think they need to need to worry about is their bullpen beyond those two is, so they're going to need for like a strong seven innings out of their starter. So I think that if DeGrom or Scherzer gets Scherzer, I mean, like, he'll stay in the game even if you try to take him out. So I'm not too concerned yeah. about him getting out. But, like, if they knock DeGrom out of the game in four innings, I just don't feel real great about Drew Smith and Seth Lugo, like, bridging the gap to Ottavino. So I think... Well, and, and you know, because with the four-man rotation, you probably would have Carrasco doing that, I would think, right? Yeah, Maybe. yeah, I don't feel like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about Carrasco. He, he's uh, very confusing to me because he's... Yeah, he had a good start to this season, I know, but season. yeah. Because I, I would, I would assume Walker would be the the fourth man in this in the four man rotation. Uh it's looking like it, but uh, since it's a three game series, I don't think they have had to like announce a four star yet. So right, I'm of course, not yeah, hundred percent sure who they're going with. But yeah, 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 I think it seems like Walker, um, especially Walker had a great game. Is uh, was that today or was that yesterday? I guess that was today. I thought it was yesterday until about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, listen, if, if I, if I personally had to make a prediction here, I think I would have to give the edge to the match just because Let's of, listen, I mean, it's, it's DeGrom Scherzer, you know, like, and Bassett is also a good pitcher and like, there's a reason this team won hundred games and, and the Padres certainly, you know, turned on the afterburners, uh, closer to the end of the season. But, uh, you know, uh, are are they hot enough to to do like you know? Obviously, the playoffs are a lot about who's hot at the right time, right? And the Padres have uh, have been certainly good in September, October, but not. I you know they don't feel like a team that's been like otherworldly in a way that that I think it might take to uh, to overtake this uh, this very good Mets team. But uh, okay. I don't know. It, uh, anybody disagree any any other thoughts before we uh before we go i think that <clears throat> i know this is gonna sound really stupid because the padres have the fifth highest payroll in baseball but the padres are this scrappy underdog who, <laughs> who don't have any big names aside from machado and soto and hey. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, outside of like the top like four names, for- Padres don't have any big names except for like you know maybe like potential MVP and maybe the best young player in baseball and like also another one of the best young players in baseball who happens to not be on the roster right now and and oh yeah, I got <laughs> Darvish who's also like a really good player and Joe Musgrove threw a no hitter last year, but like they don't have any really big players. <laughs> uh, but no, aside from all those, the Padres have kind of just become this family of sorts. They you could see them laughing and playing in the dugout out they're always talking with one another and then whenever i remember there was this one clip where jerks and profar made an error and machado had like a stern talking with him and he was like hey you made made a mistake and profar's like yes i made a mistake it's not gonna happen again and they're really looking out for one another so they're like a a family they're they're you know all close and giving each other hugs and uh i think that that might push them just a little bit harder this off season, not off season, postseason. You know, I actually do really agree bit. with that sentiment. Like, I feel like the teams that go on runs, they always have this feeling that you have. Like, I do feel like I I feel that way about last year's Braves team. Like, they were very like 
uh, camaraderie oriented. And like their like role through the playoffs was just like I could Ike was kind of rooting for me, even though I hate the Braves so much. But I was still kind of like I just like these guys. And like that Rays team that made it to the World Series a couple of years ago was a lot like that. But that said, I also kind of feel like the Mets are a lot like that this year too. The Mets. I mean, if we're if we're, if we're talking about who's got the the, the most fun best storyline, it's got to be the Cardinals, right? But it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, can you remind me of what their storyline is? Oh uh, yeah, uh, his name is uh, Jose Alberto Pujols Alcantara, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he's doing great. It's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's um, a good point, actually. Right. And the Cardinals. <laughs> can, can you remind me of the story? <laughs> I didn't realize you were being serious. Um, yeah, they have everything. It's, it's, let the Padres or Mets have something for, especially the Padres. Uh, no, but yeah, I, 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 I do certainly like. You're right about the Padres. You know, the, the Padres obviously have the the, the high payroll, uh, but they do. You're right. I think because they live in the shadow of the Dodgers in more ways than one. Um, you know, it's it's they are kind of a a scrappier feeling team. Um, some of it is is them. You know constantly performing below expectations yeah um, <laughs> yeah but, but uh you know i i i think uh, i i would say yeah even even if the padres knock the mets out of the playoffs i don't think even jeff could be upset about them uh continuing on no yeah and i mean it's hard obviously yeah. after you know 30 years of ll mets it's hard to not really be braced for it, you know. Like I already feel it coming, so it's. I don't know. It's. It's like a you know a grandparent that's had cancer, but except they've had cancer for thirty years, and you're like, well, been pre- preparing for them to die for thirty years. So you're well, kind of. I'm ready. sure there'll be. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of butts and seats for these uh, Padres Mets games uh, for the, this weekend, and uh, uh, that's going to do it. I think now. This is the last segment, so I think I'm going to kick it to the outro, which is also going to be me. Uh, but uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Jeff and Luis for joining. By the way, on very short notice, uh, both of them I asked this afternoon, like seven hours ago. So uh, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. And, uh, and we, you know, we, if, whichever team continues on, we might, uh, we might have you on again. Although we also have another Mets representative, Maz, who might end up being the Mets person. So we'll see. <laughs> but uh, thanks for joining, and uh, and we'll check you out to the outro. Yeah. That was fun, man. That was really fun. Thank you. Good luck in your outro. <laughs> Alright folks, that's going to do it for this special episode of Our Baseball Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Our Baseball Weekly is executive produced by Lewis and edited by me, Nine. Special thanks to Lewis's co-workers for allowing him to take an extra long lunch to record some of these interviews. And special thanks to all of the people who appeared on this show who are not uh, regular hosts. That is Josh, TL, PK, Pat, Jeff, and Luis. Lewis hosted this intro along with me and hosted a bunch of the interview segments. I also hosted one of the interview segments. And thanks to our other contributors, Shane, Deej, and Dylan for appearing in some of those segments. Shane in the intro, Deej talking about the Guardians, and Dylan interviewing me and Pat about the Phillies. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease.
Our Baseball Weekly usually releases every Monday morning at 1 a.m. Eastern time. Unless we do a special episode like this, we might do another one or two of these during the playoffs, depending on how things shake out. But we will be back here on Monday to talk about how these wildcard series shook out and preview the division series with the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Braves, and the winners of these wildcard series. Talk to you then.